some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Valentine's Day, everyone. Let me introduce you to my two Valentines. Upper left-hand corner of your video screen is Danny Shimon. Danny, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Um, is it football season? I already missed football. It's, it is. I, I know. It is football season. It just started. Football season just started. <laughs> right, Neil? Didn't it just start? Absolutely, man. It's such a sweet intro by you all. I didn't know that. I didn't know that we were your Valentine's this year. That's that's, that's really yeah. adorable. I appreciate my Valentine's it. every year. That's Neil Stopchinski, Danny Shivin. My name is Aldo Gandia, and we are going to get straight into it. But by the way, first of all, I want to apologize. Last Thursday, this show was supposed to be last Thursday, but because of some difficulties that I had to take care of, we had to postpone to tonight. And so we're going to go through a fast and furious 90 minutes of talking about the Chicago Bears, about draft prospects that the two guys have spotted uh, at the Shrine Game and the uh, 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 Senior Bowl. Plus, Danny, what was the third All-Star game that you, you looked at? The uh, collegiate NFLPA game. That's right. I don't know, Neil, if you looked at any of that tape, too, but uh, – I'm sure you'll have some comments. I'm sure you'll disagree with Danny one way or another, which is one of the, one of the charms of this uh, this great show. So uh, let's get straight into it. I want to, but well, first of all, before we talk talk Bears, I want to get your overall impressions of yesterday's Super Bowl game. And is there anything that we Bears fans can appreciate or like about what we saw with those two conference champions champions playing in the Super Bowl? Neil, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, you know, the thing about it is 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 uh you look at where both of these teams were specifically the Cincinnati Bengals just a, a couple years ago. <laughs> worst record in the league, got the number 1 pick, drafted Joe Burrow. Um who was a guy I think that a lot of scouts were up and down on in terms of is he the number 1 pick, is he not the number 1 pick. Mm-hmm. Um there were a few scouts that I talked to during that draft class that thought that my impression of him as a you know, possibly the best quarterback in that draft was really interesting. It was, it was kind of a, it, it was a talking point during one of their visits, you know, to our campus. Uh, the thing that impressed me most about Joe Burrow is when I saw him early in his, his last season at LSU, when he uh, played Mississippi state, I saw a guy that was incredibly poised, grown up, mature, um, was able to move the pocket had you know, mobility, intelligence, all those types of things. Like you can see it pretty easily from, my vantage point on the sideline and, and uh, you know, at, at that, it was kind of at that moment where I, I kind of expected him to be, if, if not the number one quarterback taken um, definitely, you know, one of the top two. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing about it is, is that you look at where this Bears team was last year. We have a lot of pieces. Um, we have a Bears team that beat last year's Super Bowl winner, beat 
this year's, you know, Super Bowl loser and went toe to toe with this year's Super Bowl champion until coaching got on the way at halftime. Mm-hmm. And so with a lot of those pieces still there from a personnel standpoint on, on in the locker room, uh, some of those guys do need to get re-signed. Um, I feel like this team is closer than a lot of people think this team is, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be as optimistic as possible about this, especially with, you know, the, uh, the, the coaching hires that were made, the, uh, the, the GM that came in, the, the kind of things that they said in a press conference was, was really good just on paper. So you hope for the best. But I think that the biggest takeaway is that it seems close and, you know, anything can happen from one year to the next, especially when you change over a lot of pieces in, in coaching, in the front office, and especially in the locker room. And uh, you look at what the Cincinnati Bengals did over the course of the past two, three seasons. I mean, it's this, you know, just short of a miracle a mm-hmm. franchise that was a dumpster fire for pretty much a better part of 30 years. Mm-hmm. And also a franchise that doesn't have a whole lot in the front office. They, they, they don't have a, a, a massive list of, of uh, guys doing the evaluating, making the decisions. Their, mm-hmm. their personnel team in, in terms of like scouting and evaluation and, and you know, all that is, is only about 10 guys deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, having said that, very happy for uh, Mike Potts, who is basically the number two in that, in that organization there. He does a good job. And with a short amount of people that they have in that office, there's a lot of guys that wear a lot of hats and have to do, make a lot of trips and look at a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, also on that note, you know, cheers to Teddy Monaco. You know, I, I put it on Twitter earlier today. You know, I'm, I'm really excited for him and the Rams. You know, he's one of the best guys in the business in, in terms of just, you know, human beings and also at his job, you know, personally and professionally, he's one of the best guys in the business, but, uh, you know, takeaways, this, this team's close and uh, you gotta be, you gotta be optimistic because we're only a few pieces away. What say you, Danny Shimon? I forgot the question. That was a long answer by Neil. I almost, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to be long winded. I know we got a short show here today. Uh, no, but in terms of me, like the takeaways are, are kind of negative. I mean, in terms of the Bengals, I, I was rooting for the Bengals. I was hoping I could do it. Like I'm a big Joe, Joe Burrow fan. Uh, but what I, what I took away was I think I found a team that had a, had a worse offensive line than the Bears and that's, that's the Bengals. And the uh, the Matt Nagy, you know, crazy play calling on, on fourth and one, it, it looks like it's it's contagious. I mean, it, it looks like it's it's rampant in the NFL. I mean, both coaches, I think, game management, if you go throughout this whole playoffs, both McVay, who's been called a boy genius, and and even, you know, Zach Taylor, who, who led his team to the Super Bowl, I mean, they both, game management, if you just kind of look at these games and what these coaches do under the pressure, I mean, everyone judges errors all over the place. You know, uh, that that you know, initially, uh, first, uh, was the first or second drive by the Bengals, you know, Zach Taylor goes for it uh, midfield on fourth and fourth and short, and then doesn't you know the ball turns over to the Rams. They score a touchdown after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, third and third and two. Joe Mixon, unless there is an injury that I'm not aware of or yeah. hear about, you know, he was on the field. They gave it to to Samiji uh, uh, Pirine, and the, the running back doesn't get you know doesn't get it. And on fourth down, fourth and one, instead of just handing it to to his uh, running back and letting him try and get that first down and extend that drive. What does he do? He goes and drops back, and 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 you know, op, this the Ram defense was just teeing off on Joe Burrow. You know, they had seven sacks at the time, and then up, of course, Aaron Donald was was you know going for that ring, playing you know, with hair on fire. So, and, you know, instead of just getting the first down, he goes fourth and one and tries to throw the football. Typical Matt Nagy type of move there. And uh, what happens? Aaron Donald gets gets to him, and Burrow has to throw the ball incomplete, and that's a ball game. So, you know, just uh, just the, the the negative here in terms of play calling, game management. Uh, decision under, under under pressure. You know, these are these are guys that are in the Super Bowl, and we see some of these errors here as well. So, 
uh, just, just one thing like, you know, good coaching, you know, you know, a lot of people, you know, they kind of poo poo good co head coaches. And I'm like, well, you know, good coaching, you know, you, you need those, especially in these key moments, like, like Super Bowl, where, you know, it, it just seems like these, these coaches kind of like get themselves lost in the moment and they, they want to outsmart everybody. Um, you know, I, I just, for me, it was just, it was a good game, at least it was a good game. And it was just the, just the, uh, you know, the little nuance of, of the game inside the game that the coach and then, and then McVay going for that, that, you know, Philly special kind of play, you know, early in the third, uh, that to me was like a head scratcher. I'm like, are you trying to tell your team that in order to beat this, this Bengals team, you're going to have to run trick plays this early in, in the second half. So that was to me, another Another thing where I, I think I think McVay got got away with it, got got the Super Bowl victory, had the more talented team, I believe. But uh, um, I just some, some overall negative negative stuff I, I picked up there in between in terms of both coaches, you know, in terms of sideline decision making, all that stuff. So, yeah, my two biggest takeaways was the offensive line. The whole narrative had kind of flipped. Oh, you don't need to invest that much offensive line. Look mm -hmm. at the Cincinnati Bengals got to the Super Bowl with a weak offensive line. Well, we see that the number one reason the Cincinnati Bengals are not hoisting that Super Bowl trophy is because of their offensive line. Mm -hmm. They wore down over the course of that game. And you guys are absolutely right in terms of coaching mishaps and bad decision making and so forth. But if you don't have a strong offensive line to ward off top defensive pass rushers and run blockers, uh, uh, run uh, tacklers, then you are going to be in trouble, even if you get all the way to the Super Bowl. It's going to be a miracle for you to pull off a win. And then the the, the second thing uh, is that that I uh, walked away with is that the quarterback of, of a team can quickly develop. Justin Fields could follow Joe Burrow's track into being that franchise quarterback joe burrow's rookie season was injury marred it was uh, uh cut short by injury but we saw how with good coaching uh and, and a good scheme he could bounce back and 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 have an outstanding uh, season to help lead the team to a super bowl so that gives me as a diehard chicago bears fan some hope but also look at the talent on the outside there although any one of those three receivers could be a number one receiver on the bears yeah. talking about tyler boy t higgins you know, obviously, you know, Jamar Chase and then Mixon in the backfield. So even, you know, C.J. Ozuma, the tight end, is no slouch as well. So, you know, the, that type of skill set at the skill position, that type of talent, it, it goes a long, long way. Yeah, the offensive line was not great. They, I mean, they invested first-round picks in Jonah Williams and some of the other players there on, on that offensive line. So, But they had to just, just be, you know, okay for them to go ahead and, and, and win that game. And, and notice, well, Burrow, how is he, how is he, you know, winning? He was getting away from the pressure, rolling away, stepping up in the pocket and getting those, the ball downfield to his playmakers. And then and they were making plays. So yes, you know, offensive line is, is a key. Yes. Justin, remember guys, Joe Burrow couldn't beat out Justin Fields at Iowa State. That's one of the reasons why he ended up going and transferring out of there as well. So uh, just, just think about it here as well. You know, offensive line and talent at the, the skill set. I think you can go a long way in developing young quarterback. 100%. And uh, the other big thing that happened while we've been away, uh, uh, this show has been away, was that the Bears introduced their offensive and defensive and special teams coordinators. We're not going to get sound bites from all of them uh, or get very extensive, but I do want to play a couple of sound bites. One was suggested by Danny, and he, used to, he asked, can you pull a sound bite of – uh, Getsy and or Williams talking about how they will mold their unit based on the personnel that they have. And this is Luke Getsy talking about that very thing. The beginning of this thing, when we tried to establish that identity or, you know, we're, we're established a culture first, but then we're going to dive into this identity, right? That's going to be driven by 
the personnel, the coaching staff, and we're going to become something. There's not one specific answer to that right now. Um, we have to dive into what everybody does best, right? And it starts with the quarterback, right? This is a quarterback-driven offense. So the things that the quarterback position does well, that's going to be the driver of who we are. And then we're going to marry that to what the other guys on the football field do well. I mean, that's the, that's the purpose of the offense coordinator, right? To, to dive into what the people do well, what they do best, and then, and then uh, build the, the, the offense around that. After three years, four years, or whatever it was of Matt Nagy, those are words. Those are words from heaven. <laughs> Music to my ears. When I heard that, I almost, I almost jumped out of my seat. I'm like, finally, we have someone here that's not going to bring in his system and try and fit these players into his system. He said that he's going to get to know these players. He's going to get to know what they do well, what they don't do well, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. Another thing he said, and we don't have, I don't think we have the soundbite here, where he, he goes, this is not going to be a copycat offense. It's not going to be someone else's offense. It's not going to be the Matt LaFleur offense or the Sean McVay offense or the Mike McCarthy offense. This is going to be the Chicago Bears offense. We're going to create our own offense based off of what the quarterback does well. And that hopefully – and I'm praying that it's just not, you know, him just, you know, lip service and talking. I hope he actually puts action to words and does that and takes a, a system here. Obviously, we know his base, right? His base comes from, you know, he's got some West Coast with Mike McCarthy. He's got a lot of the, you know, uh, the Sean McVay, the uh, Kyle Shanahan, the Matt LaFleur, the, the wide zone scheme stuff in there. And I think that just works perfectly hand in hand with Justin Fields being able to do, you know, play action. You know, we saw last year, you know, as a rookie, he was comfortable uh, under center, he's comfortable play action, turning his back to the defense, turning around and quickly making a decision, you know, building uh, that offense around him. And obviously now we talked about earlier, putting some of that offensive line in front of him, putting some, some skill on the outside as well. That really just caught my attention. And I'm like, yes, hopefully this guy puts, comes through with what he just said. And he builds this offense based off what the bears can do best, not based of what he knows. There you go. Neil, uh, you feel the same way? Yeah, I got a lot of the same notes, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, the thing about it is, is we spent, you know, four years listening to, you know, a, a stubborn former offensive coordinator wanting to mold everything around, you know, what he wants to do. And it is 100,000% refreshing to hear a coach come in and say, you know, we're going to, I mean, how many times have I, have I said on the, on the show in the past year, you know, past year and a half that it, it all starts with what you have in terms of personnel. You know, mm -hmm. players, formations, plays. I've, I've said that, you know, almost 100 times now on this show. It, it starts with players. You, you you build your formations off of your personnel, and you, you call plays out of those formations. That's mm -hmm. the only way you do it as, as a competent coach or coordinator. And, you know, the thing about Luke Getze, and, you know, I, I mentioned a couple times over the course of the past couple of weeks, you know, I spent some time with him. The thing about him is he's, he's consistent. He doesn't sound any different than he did when I, you know, over the, the, the course of, you know, the, the couple of years I think I spent with him in Mississippi State, same mm -hmm. stuff's coming out of his mouth, you know. And, you know, he's another guy that I really like from a personal standpoint as well. Like, he's a great dude. And I think part of that is is how he's able to relate to players on their level. He operates with a ton of humility and, and you know, humbleness, right? Um, you know, it, it's hard not to like the guy. And mm -hmm. the guy that he also brought in with him, Tim Zetz, as the assistant tight ends coach is another guy who spent time with at Mississippi State, and he's very much the same type of person. You know, from a cultural standpoint, guys like he, you know, Getsy was talking about during his pre his press conference in terms of establishing the culture and the philosophy. You, you got to relate to the to players. You know, get them uh, on, on a on a personal level. You'll know, learn how they learn. You know, from a 
from a kinesthetic, audible or visual you know standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Um, get get inside these people, their mindset, build the relationships, growing from there. Everybody's got to be on the same page in the locker room. And you know, I, I know Matt Nagy was a players' coach and all that kind of thing. And you know, the, the way that this team ran was you know a lot of fun and, and looseness, but. Uh, you know, the thing about Luke is that, you know, he's he, he's definitely a grown up in the way that, that he runs his quarterback room, the way that he runs his offenses. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does with uh, these players on that side of the ball. The one thing about Getsy, and again, I have some concerns. He's a first time play caller. He hasn't done this other than some preseason games. So that, that concerns me a little bit. Right? So he's going to have to go out there and kind of prove, you know, in terms of no, he knows what he's doing, get the plays in on time and so on and so forth. Uh, but the one thing about Getze, as opposed to Nagy, Nagy has spent his entire coaching career under Andy Reid. He only knew one system, one offense. Now Getze, you know, we talked about, you know, you know, talked about him being over at Mississippi State under Joe Joe Moorhead. Uh, we talked about him being at, at the at the NFL level with, with Mike McCarthy, who runs a you know a, you know pretty you know basic West Coast system. Um, and then obviously now with 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 uh, with Matt Lafleur and, and that that wide zone scheme. So he's got three different types of coaching styles, three different types of offensive philosophies more kind of molded into one. And the other thing I, I like about him as well is, is that, you know, he's also coached receivers. So he's, you know, Devontae Adams swears by him. He says that this guy came over and, and really helped his career kind of take off. And so, so he kind of knows what a receiver should be doing. He kind of knows what the quarterback should be doing. He knows how the offense all builds in together. So, you know, that, that's something that really excites me in terms of, you know, this guy actually knowing how to build an offense because he's just not just, you know, been a quarterback coach or, you know, assistant offensive assistant under one coach, he's seen different coaching styles, you know, different philosophies on offense. And he's also coached multiple positions on offense as well. So I think that is to me, um, you know, some, something key here in terms of him coming in and, and being the offensive corner. Now the play calling, we got to see how that all goes. We got to make sure he calls plays on time. Got to make sure he, you know, he sets up one play after the other, so on and so forth, but that's more of a wait and see approach there. But so far he's off to a great start in my opinion. 100%. Excellent stuff, gentlemen. I want to uh, sneak in another soundbite here before we get to our player evaluations, because this has to do a bit with player evaluations. When new defensive coordinator was asked about the three tech, he offered uh, this opinion on why the three tech is so important to his defense. And then on the other end of this, you guys can discuss whether that player, that three tech tech player is already on the roster or the bears will have to go out and find somebody. This is Alan Williams. We want that guy to be to be athletic. Uh, we want that guy to be uh, instinctive. We want that guy uh, to be able to stay on his feet. When he gets a one-on-one, uh, we want that guy to be able to, uh, to beat his one-on-ones. And really the things that I'm talking about, uh, you can probably say that about you know everybody on our defense about those things. Uh, we want that guy to play with uh, relentless effort. Uh, we want that guy to be smart. Uh, so that guy is one of the staples of the defense because one of the things I, I do believe is that a good defense is built through the middle. And so that uh, that's the, the middle part of our defense. So that guy's going to be a, a tremendous part of, uh, of the success of Chicago Bears football and specifically Chicago Bears defensive football. Guys? Your thoughts on what Mr. Williams just said? Yeah, I mean th- that's exactly the the you know the four three cover two system. If you want, the, you know the three technique has got to be a guy off the show off the shoulder of, of inside shoulder off the guard, either outside or inside shoulder of the guard. He's got to be a guy that's going to be quick. 
you know, hit that gap, get upfield, cause havoc in the backfield, whether it's on, as a pass rusher or in, in the run defense. And, you know, uh, the thing about what Williams said there is, is that, you know, th that's exactly 100% true. This one goes back to Lovey Smith talking about being strong up the middle, talking about that, that linebacker with, with Erlacher in the middle, you know, Tommy Harris at defensive tackle, at three technique, and then, you know, pick your safety they had back there as well. So in terms of, you know, uh, some of the other guys that Bears had back there in terms of safety. But this is exactly what the Bears need. And the fact that Williams kind of described it, you know, he doesn't have that guy on this roster right now. Sure, can a Bilal Nichols play three technique? Yeah, he's got some of the athletic ability. He's got some of that twitch in him to be able to get upfield and, and hit um, hit those gaps and, and, and create pressure, create havoc. But, you know, Bilal Nichols, what I've seen so far, he, he's not a relentless pass rusher. He's not a guy that's just nonstop motoring. I mean, there's plays where he just, you know, he does he shows great effort and he goes after him, but he's not a down in and down out great player. Um, you know, talking about you know uh, being smart. Other guy, Mario Edwards Jr. is a guy that I think could play the inside three technique. But we're talking about being smart. We see how many times that Mario Edwards Jr. do some dumb penalties. You know, this is this defense is is gap responsible. You cannot leave your gap. If you leave your gap, you you leave the defense exposed to a big rush lane, and and offenses usually just gush you up. You know, with in terms of running the ball down your throat. So. You got to be responsible. You got to be sound assignment, uh, assignment wise in terms of you know knowing what you got to do, stay in those gaps, and and play to your responsibility. So uh, I honestly I, I don't think that three technique that Williams just described is on his roster. Uh, do they have players that can play it right now? Maybe yes, but the the perfect guy is not on this roster. That's why I think for me these uh, that defensive tackle, the interior defensive tackle has has just risen in terms of the the, the need here on on this draft board. You know, there, there's one guy that I've kind of had my eye on, and that's that's the the kid from uh, uh, from Georgia in terms of you know being able to play wide, playing inside. You know, that's the technique. I think that guy's a perfect fit for this defense. So uh, now, will the Bears get him? I don't know. He you know he could fall out of that first round and be available in that top of the second round. But I mean, but again, offensive line, defensive line are, are I think, two keys. That I think this front office and this coaching staffs are, are going to hone in on. Yeah, Robbie right there just said it. I mean, he's got arguably the best first step in in, in terms of that position for that group right. in this draft. Yeah. I mean, he's I mean, you can say that really about both those guys aside from Georgia. You know, Jordan Davis, the same way. I mean, he's he's a he's a backfield disruptor. Both those guys are going to get taken really high. I mean, me personally, I feel like whenever you have a label of being a disruptor, you don't last very long in the drafts. So I'm not sure if he's going to be there in the second round for us or not. I mean, personally, I feel like, you know, either way you look at it, we have to go and get, you know, an offensive lineman, shore up the protection with that uh, pick 39, I think it is, right, 39? Yes. Um, but, you know, you know, Alan, uh, Alan Williams said a lot of the, the stuff you want a defensive coordinator to say, mm -hmm. you know, and it is all about building – from the middle out and more specifically from the ball out and the further you get away from the ball though typically the less important the player is they're all important i mean i'm not trying to let's not get that twisted but you know the, the, the trenches critically important you know middle linebacker critically important the guys that make calls critically important uh you know so you you do build from the ball out and um you know he he talked about accountability today with with the whole hits thing that justin or uh, that uh, matt eberflus uh, you know, talked about in an introductory press conference, the hustle intensity, uh, takeovers and smarts thing. And they're going to hold guys accountable. You, you love to hear that. Um, he's all about 100% hustle and intensity. And you love to hear that because that's the way you want your defense to look, flying around, being physical, hitting guys, getting get the takeovers or, you know, takeaways. Um, in terms of three technique, you know, you know, you, you basically stole my thought, Danny. He 
could be Bilal Nichols. You know, you saw a lot of really good things from Bilal Nichols early on, you know, so far in his career. Um, this offseason of development is going to be huge for him because this is the type of offseason that he hasn't had yet in Chicago, I don't think. He's 25 years old. Feel free to re-sign him. I think he's a quality player. Mm-hmm. Um, can definitely improve. And I think this is the kind of defensive staff is going to help him improve and potentially be that guy. Right now, he's not Warren Sapp, though. No, <laughs> definitely not. All right, let's get to the portion where we're going to uh, do some player evaluations. And perhaps what we should do first is, Danny, I think you and Neil, got uh, somebody reached out to you uh, regarding uh, Smoke. What the, what's Smoke's last name? Smoke oh, Monday. Smoke Monday. What, what a phenomenal name. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, he's all smoke and no fire. <laughs> oh, zing. <laughs> Oh, oh, smoking is so upset right now. <laughs> that is a good one. All right, we got some uh, tape of, of smoke getting smoked, <laughs> um, but there yeah, are some yeah. good parts to his game. But why don't you take it away, uh, Danny? And I'll, I'll, yeah, I mean, uh, one thing I, I put on his tape. Obviously, I'm I'm a big SEC guy. I, I've seen Smoke Monday play, you know, playing uh, on Saturdays, and and he's a guy that would flash here and there. You know, honestly, Neil, the first thing you think of when you think of Smoke Monday, what do you think of the guy hey, that's got? Well, no, I, I I got I thought of him getting ejected three times for targeting. Oh, uh, and, yeah. and, and okay, so well, I think I'm thinking, uh, okay, on this, I'm thinking first, I'm thinking physical, you know, enforcer type of safety. Um, then I'm thinking, all right, wait, wait, is, is this guy, is this guy, uh, uh, you know, like just a undisciplined player or whatnot? So I put on his tape and and I, I just couldn't do it at Aldo. I, Aldo has been seeing Eddie Jackson playing safety for the Bears the last couple of years, and I just couldn't, I saw this stuff and I just could not. Could not recommend this guy for the Bears. If you like, take a look at him. First of all, he's a two-year starter. Obviously, 171 career tackles, 17 tackles for loss, six sacks, five interceptions, and eight passes defense. So not a lot of ball production there for me, uh, especially for a guy who plays in the SEC where the, where the ball has been thrown, thrown around a lot. You know, the last couple of seasons. So if you go and roll this tape here, although take a look here, he's coming up here, sneaks up into the box. And the one thing with, with, with Smoke Monday is like his eyes, his, his play speed just is not nowhere near NFL ready. There he just kind of lunges on, grabs onto the tight end, has no idea that the, the, the ball carry, even though quarterback flashes the football, and he still just kind of goes with the tight end. And then when he once he realizes the ball is what the quarterback gives it like a half-ass effort to try and make that tackle. You know, th- th- he's not balanced. He's not, he doesn't come to, to, uh, to a, a good position in terms of being able to wrap up and, and attack the ball carrier and bring him down. So right away that that turns me off in, initially here in terms of you know this kid here being my safety back there in the defensive backfield. So um, again, you know, play speed grabs a tight end. Not sure why he doesn't doesn't you know grabs a tight end and tries to turn him around there. I, I don't know what was going on. What was this process you know in terms of thinking process there was, but uh, again doesn't pick up the football and doesn't even make sure makes a half-assed attempt in terms of trying to tackle that ball carrier. This next play here we got uh, this is the one where this the uh, this is, this is the, the scramble. The quarterback scrambles here. He comes up and makes a half-assed effort again. Look at him. Just come in. First of all, he's got a you know decent angle and then just has an ole there. I'm not sure what he was trying to do. I was trying to rip the football. He wasn't in a position to make a tackle. doesn't look like he was even interested in trying to tackle that quarterback. Definitely made so, me so angry. So, again, this is something that that really you know bothered me here when I watched my safety come in and, and do something like this. So, again, it's, it's that big ole move there. Uh, it looks like he was trying to rip up the football and trying to get that ball out. Uh, again, not sure what he was doing there. So uh, this play here, th- this is now he comes in as, as an extra defender in the box. 
it comes up off the edge here, does a nice job of going and, and breaking down into the backfield and, and doing an, a nice way of just getting to the uh, running back and getting him down, uh, you know, securing that tackle. Again, this is the next play against Texas A&M. Comes up here downhill. You see here, he's balanced. He's got his feet underneath him. He, he squares his shoulder to the target. Does a good job of then searing on his on his guy. Go ahead and wraps him up and brings him down and down. That's a good play. So, you know, I want to see more of that, more consistency here, especially for my safety. All right, so now we, we can continue here with the Texas A&M game. And, uh, again, we're, we're going to see something here that that uh, I'm not very fond of here. Again, does a, yes. it's a bad angle. Again, comes to comes to the point in terms of making a tackle unbalanced. His feet are all over the place. His body weight's going one way. Running back cuts back inside. Half-ass effort. This one here, I, I just had to turn tape off, guys. It comes up. Running back goes into the pile. What does he do? He just gets out of the way. The running back continues on forward and gets the first down. You come up, your safety, you come up and you kind of you initiate that contact. You kind of stop that momentum of the running back and you make sure you try and stop him from getting that first down. What he does, he does a little jive move there, gets out of the way and lets the, the pile continue moving forward. Running back gets the first down. After I saw that, I'm like, I'm done. I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> 100%, man. That, that, that tape. I, I couldn't make it past that Georgia game. You actually watched three games worth of film on him. I couldn't get past it. Or, uh, wait, wait. Um, Arkansas game. Sorry. Yeah. The yeah, Arkansas, Arkansas game. Saying, I, I couldn't get past the, the Arkansas game. First half, the Arkansas game. It, and, you know, the thing about it is, is you know, it, it's okay to have a bad play here and there, but it, right. it turns out that all of the bad angles and the, 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 the piss poor physicality and the shying away from contact, that's more the, the, the norm. That, that, that's more the trend than it is the exception. I, we, we can't have that as strong safety, guys. And that's a special position in this defense, that strong safety position. I mean, you're, you're, you're playing with the athleticism of, of, an, of an explosion athlete with the physicality of a linebacker. You, you, like, like I said before, the last show, you think of you know, Ronnie Harrison, Ronnie Lott, uh, John Lynch, the type of guys that you need to have at that position that are special dudes. Right. And they, you know, just also the type of dude that might have a wire loose, you know, upstairs a little bit. I mean, you got to have some crazy, you know, kamikaze type of dude playing that position. That's not Smoke Monday. Right. And the other thing is, is the and guys, what do we, what would he get tired of besides the missed tackles, right? When this Bears defense was the undisciplined, right? The Correct. stupid penalties. He got ejected not once, not twice, but three times for targeting. Now, now we, I mean, we all can, uh, you know, get to go back and forth in terms of the targeting rule in college football. And we all agree it's, it's not perfect. But okay, you know, once or twice, whatever. But three times, that tells me the kid is undisciplined, right? So he comes in all haphazard, out of position, doesn't, doesn't, you know, come into a, a good way, balance, like we just saw on tape, balance, you know, look at what he's striking, shoulders square, and just kind of just lunges and, and try uses the crown of his helmet to hit the football player. And I think that, to me, shows an undisciplined football player, no ball, no ball uh, skills at all, only eight passes defense throughout his, his, his career, two-year starter. To me, that, that's, that's a guy that may make it a roster as a special teams player, maybe coached up, you know, once he gets to the NFL – but not a guy with, with just five draft picks. I can't take chances on guys like that. Correct. Jay Saunders has it perfect. He's, he's, he's <laughs> way to go, Saunders. On this one, soft DBs. Yeah, that's that's a perfect, perfect fit for what we used to have. Uh, um, do we want to go to Wanye uh, Thomas next? Sorry, so Wanya Thomas. All right, so I don't know if you want to go to particular games or you want to because he was at, at the East West Shrine game. Yeah, actually, these are. I'm sorry. Yes, the, uh, these are the two goal line stands. Neil asked me to pull uh, that Wanya just looks sensational at. So uh, right. So so I had not watched Wanya Thomas. He hadn't really popped to me when I watched Georgia Tech 
football, right? And then I watched the East One Shrine game, and then he made these these plays at the goal line. I'm like, whoa, who is this kid here? And then I go back and I watch some of his, if you're going to run this play here, uh, he's an extra, as a goal line, obviously goal line defense, he's an extra man in the box there. Look at the way he just kind of, you know, he reads the play, gets out to the flat and does a nice job of coming in and helping establish that physicality, that secondary and stopping that, the momentum of that ball carry from getting into the end zone. I think that's what we're talking about in terms of, you know, we haven't seen that, that kind of a play from our, our safeties in terms of the Bears since what, Adrian Amos? Mm -hmm. that in 2018 right so a guy that can bring the hammer some physicality um and, you know will give you that everything he's got in terms of uh, and then i like the, also the fact that he diagnosed the play post snap got out to the flat and, and made that made that tackle there as well so that's mm -hmm. one of the two plays i don't know if you want to take the other one there yeah. uh neil and, and and go through with that one but uh go ahead neil take this one uh, uh well you know the, the the thing about wanye is that if you look at you know, the kind of, uh, the, the kind of credibility he comes with. I mean, to, to begin with, you know, before this game even is even played, he's already a three to five range draftable guy. Mm -hmm. And, but the, the type, the type of credentials that he comes with is that he's versatile. He has strong safety toughness. He's got physicality. He's got the intelligence. You know, he sees what's going on in this play before it even happens, but he, he's got the, he's got the strong safety toughness with the ability to, to have the, the ball hawkery of, of a Eddie Jackson type of guy but definitely plays with, with more of a linebacker's mentality as you, as you see this, this, this play move forward, he, play, he plays with much more of a linebacker's mentality and, you know, fourth and short stops the ball carry before he even gets to the goal line, prevents him from scoring, um, you know, strong safety. I mean, just the safety position that we've had here in Chicago, you know, the past, you know, handful of years or so that guy's running straight over the guy and, and, you know, scoring. I mean, he, he he's able to stop the, the, the four momentum, before uh you know before the goal line drive the guy back prevent you know prevent prevent the score that, that's that's pretty much carbon copy of what i understand Wanye thomas the, the type of credentials he came with into the east west shrine game like i said mid-range guy right now in terms of draftability he's probably more of a day two guy now after that game again i always talk about these 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 uh, games aren't confirmation more like affirmation but it, it does allow for separation and that kid separate himself a lot um, you know, the other thing you like about him too, is that, you know, he's a team captain, vocal leader type of dude. So you, you love that from the safety position. You want guys that are able to communicate. You want guys that are able to rally the troops from, from, you know, the, from, from, you know, the deep half. So, um, I love the kid a lot. Um, and you, you look at him from a physicality standpoint too, you know, he's, uh, you know, just short of six, one, he's 207 pounds. He's got 32 inch arms, arms big yeah. wingspan at 78 and a quarter. Hmm. Um, you, you, you love all the traits that you see out of this kid right now. I think he's going to be right for the taking right there at uh, pick 71, I think is where we're at in third round there. Well, the thing, other thing I'll add up to it, just what Neil said here, three-year starter, right? This is the guy that, that I think, you know, is a vocal leader. You see him on tape setting up, you know, the defenders and his teammates telling him, Hey, this is what they're doing. Coverage, pre-snap, post-snap, all that stuff. You know, this is guy is, is a leader of that, that defensive backfield. Uh, the other thing is like, he gives you a lot of value on special teams. This is the guy that, you know, uh, uh has some block kicks in, in his in his career. Uh, was a I mean the freshman All American team in the ACC first team you know, as a as a kickoff returner. You know with 24 kickoff returns, 606 yards, average 25.3 yards a kickoff return with two touchdowns. You know he's got that speed. So we talked about his physical traits, right? Six feet, 207 pounds, long ass arms, 32 inch arms, plus the speed. And the other thing, guys, when you go back and take a look at his stats, the guys caused six force fumbles. Okay, what are we going to be talking about with this defense? We're going to talk about creating turnovers, 
getting to the ball, rallying to the football. What was that quote right. that Alan Williams said? He said, we're going we're gonna to play hard. We're going to play fast. We're going to play physical. Well, if you, put on, if you put on Wanye Thomas tape, he's playing hard, he's playing fast, and he's playing physical. I think this is the kind of guy that this new defensive staff is going to love in Wanye Thomas from Georgia Tech. And, again, talking about that special teams value it brings you to. Yeah, 100%. Good stuff, guys. Excellent stuff. All right, let's start talking about player evaluations from the Senior Bowl, uh, the Shrine Bowl game, and the other collegiate all-star game. Uh, Neil, why don't you pick a player and, and start us off? Well, I think if you look at how Super Bowl teams are built, you got to get, you got to have a quarterback. You got to be able to block for that quarterback. You got to find guys to get their quarterback. You know, to me, um, the biggest hole that we have right now is, is offensive line. And to me, I, I found three guys that I'm absolutely in love with. You know, from a senior bowl, and, and, and it starts, I think, with uh, offensive tackle uh, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. Um, that, that's a guy that's uh, a, a shade under. I six, think we're seven. talking East West. We're talking East West Ryan. Oh, we're talking he East West. Yeah. Oh, oh my bad. Uh, so I, I can I can West. start off if you want. I can start off if you want. You no, know, so like the, the East West. The the thing about um, let's see, I think it was the West roster. The uh, the the number one group. Or maybe it's the East roster. Hang on a second. Yeah, the number one group on the West roster on the offensive line did a really good job throughout the course of that game. Um, and that was uh, Austin DeCoulis at right tackle from LSU. Yeah. You had uh, Kellen Beach from uh, Arizona State playing left tackle. And the three guys in the middle was Luke Wattenberg from Washington, Cordell Volson from North Dakota State, and uh, Hayden Howerton from SMU. Those are, those, are, those are five guys that kept Jack Combs' jersey clean throughout you know the, the, first, uh, the first quarter of that game. And as the game went on, all the other players that all the other quarterbacks that came in um, really impressed with Austin to uh, size wise, six, five, three twenty five, long ass arms at 33 and seven ace, um, you know, big wingspan at, uh, you know, 83 and a half, um, you know, good size hands at, you know, almost nine and a half. But, uh, you know, the thing Austin to is that, you know, he can protect the edge. He can move well laterally side to side um, strong kid as well. Um, you know the the other tackle that I, I mentioned, Kellen Deesh, a little bit a little bit smaller in terms of measurables, but still did a really good job being athletic. You know, keeping edge rushers off the quarterback. Uh, he will be a later round guy, basically because of his measurables. And I will not be surprised if he ends up being a guy that moves inside, given his arm length at thirty two and a half. Um, the three guys in the middle: Luke Wattenberg from Washington, Cordell Volson from North Dakota State, Hayden Howerton from SMU. Um, you know, interior guys all the way. Uh, Cordell Volson, specifically from North Dakota State, is a guy that played right tackle for for that uh, for that team, but is probably more of a of a of a right guard type of player, and did a really good job, um, you know, during that uh, that that bowl game that night. They all have great measurables. They all have long arms. They're all they got big wingspans. They they're kind of like boxy in their build, you know, carbon copy, you know, co you know, <laughs> copy paste, you know, in interior offensive lineman type, you know, you know, body types. Um, you love what you see from those guys. And, you know, again, those, those are probably guys that will be, you know, mid-round to late-round guys that would be uh, probably there, except for Austin DeCoulos. I think he's going early. But, you know, the rest of those guys will probably, probably be available once we get to those uh, fifth-round draft picks that we have on day three. We have two of those, and they're both, uh, you know, early on in that round. Um, on the East roster, a guy I really liked was uh, the, uh, uh, the center from Wake Forest, Zach Tom. If you guys remember that that long that long explosion play that went for a touchdown, the you know, the one guy that broke out, got ahead, makes key blocks on the way down the sideline for that score was Zach Tom. That's a kid that played left tackle at, at Wake Forest. He's played center at Wake Forest. He's a really smart kid. He's very versatile. Uh, a hair under 6'4", 297, long arms at thirty three and a quarter. 
um, just under 80 inch uh, wingspan, big old hands at 10 and, and, and uh, 10 and an eighth. Um, he's 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 primed to be a, a center at the next level. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that, you know, if, if we're the type of outfit that's going to look for a center and play Sam Mustafer, I would love to have that kid. He's tough. He's athletic. He's physical. Um, you know, sign him up all day. A couple other guys I really like was Vidaria Lowe from Illinois. Um, long at 6'4", uh, and, you know, 3'8", 3'20", 34, almost 35-inch uh, arms, 85 and 5'8", 5'8", uh, uh, wingspan. He was one of my, you know, monster measurables guys that, that, that I put out after the uh, after the game happened. Um, just massive dude, play left, uh, left tackle for the East side, uh, you know, during that game, um, looked really good, um, competed well, looked athletic, moved well. And obviously he's got the measurables to back up any, any sort of, uh, you know, draft stock that he's got right now. Myron Cunningham is a guy from Arkansas that has played tackle and guard in his career as well. He's probably a guard the next level, very technically sound kid, fundamentally sound, uh, six, five and eight, three twenty three. Just under 34 inch arms, about 81 and a half inch wingspan, big ass hands at 10 and a half. Uh, he's a guy that I would love to have, you know, on the interior as well. Just, just he, he's a, he's a machine in terms of his fundamental and techniques, uh, fundamentals and technique. Um, in terms of offensive linemen, th- those are the guys I really love from the East West Shrine game. There's a bunch of other, uh, you know, position players too, skill guys. But you know, in terms of trying to go ahead and get this offensive line shored up, that's where I'm looking first. And uh, you know, I'll go ahead and let you uh, back up. Um, uh, on the other half of, uh, you know, that evaluation, Danny. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much had a couple of the guys I was trying to talk about, which was uh, Austin, uh, the coolest from, from LSU. I, I, he's a guy, it's interesting, because you, you think he's going in the third round or, or early early or late day two. I, I think based off his tape, right, watching his tape, and I, I love the kid in terms of his size, right, 6'5", 325, you talked about 33, almost 34-inch arm length. Uh, four-year starter at, at right tackle for LSU. So this guy has been a starter. He started 46 out of his last 49 games at LSU at right tackle. Again, SEC competition, guys, the best of the best in terms of college football. Uh, so he's durable. He's durable, and he plays every damn game. The thing about it, if, if you watch his, his, his tape from last year, he might go fifth round. But if you watch him, what he did in the East-West Shrine game and the practices, he looks to me a little bit lighter on his – maybe lost a little weight. Uh, maybe he was dealing with an injury during the season. He, he looked a little more stiff during the season on his, on his LSU tape. But when I watched him in, in the East West Shrine, he looked a little more athletic. His ability to get out to the second level was much better. Being able to get there and then sustain some of those second level blocks was much better during the East West Shrine game. So I don't know if he's in training, you know, after the season to, to get himself in better shape and, and lose some of that weight and get a little more flexibility. But, but if, if the if the Austin Declas we see if the East West Shrine game continues on, anyways, he goes to the next level in terms of this, this evaluation process, which is going to be the scouting combine. And he does well in those agility drills tests and, and then, you know, the bench press and all that stuff. I can see him going late, late day too. However, if, if he, if he doesn't test why well, I think you, you, you could possibly see him there in that fourth, fifth round range, right? So the bears could be able to go up and get him. And I, like I said, this is a guy that I, I could come in. I can see him coming in and starting for me at right tackle from day one. That's how much I like this kid. Uh, he brings some of that tenacity. You, you like to see him as well. So so that, that's, just, that's you know, Austin Declas right there. Uh, uh, Verdarian Lowe, a uh, uh, tackle from uh, Illinois. Again, another guy with – he's got the length, the measurables you like. Athletic kid. I got to do some more tape study on him, but he's a guy that intrigues me big time. Uh, some of the guys you didn't you didn't touch on, Neil, but it was a um, uh, position receiver – Tay Martin from Oklahoma mm-hmm. State. I think this guy, he's not going to blaze it up there. He's not going to go run a you know a four three forty at the combine. But this guy, he might run a high four five or something like that. But this guy is a uh, sure-handed, 
uh, you know, receiver demonstrates good body control ability to go up there and make a play on the football. Uh, he's a guy that goes in the crowd, is not scared, not intimidated with, with a safety bearing down on him or a linebacker bearing down on him. And guys, what's the best friend of, of a of a quarterback? A sure-handed possession type receiver. And I, I know that we're trying to add, we're talking about speed, we're adding about speed. You know, Tay Martin won't give you speed. He'll give you big plays. He won't give you necessarily field stretching speed. But I'm telling you, this guy is a, is a courageous, sure-handed hands catcher. And I, he could he could line up on my on my squad anytime, any day. So Tate Martin from Oklahoma State is a guy to keep an eye on a right receiver. Uh, another not flipping over to the other side. Actually, another receiver. I'm sorry, Tyquan uh, Thorne from Baylor. We talked about him prior to the East-West Shrine game, and all he did was go out there and show what he showed on tape, which is be able to get downfield, make some big plays with his speed. He's more of a field-stretching kind of guy. He's a little taller, about six, almost 5'11", 6 feet tall, and he's a little thin, but he's not a guy that's going to go you know, run a lot of you know, inside routes or anything like that. He's more of a guy that's going to stretch the field, get downfield, make plays with uh, with the football. Nothing surprised me. He had a lot of his small hands than I, than I like to see, but you, you see him on tape. He's always out there going up there, going up for those contested 50-50 balls and making, you know, catches in in a crowd. So it doesn't seem to be affecting him so far. But, again, he was playing in the Big 12. So we'll see how that translates to the next level there as well. Defensively, guys, I think I might have found us a a slot cornerback. Jasir Taylor from Wake Forest. You talk about a guy, you know, tons of experience. played in 48 games, only had nine nine starts. But I think because they've – pretty much put him as as a as a slot corner and that that's the only time really he got a start was what was in the slot but you talk about a guy who's built uh, a, a nice compact built 510 186 pounds um the, the guy was a, a running back and a track star in high school so he's got that big play speed he's got the initial quickness um you know sturd like a sturdy well-defined frame uh does a good job of staying inside on those quicker shifter um shiftier uh right receivers this is the game i watch here uh, against downs where he does a nice job of staying in phase downfield uh versus these these quick receivers and i talk about here good open field tackler what do we talk about when we talk about these slot corners you've got guys that are going to be able to cover quicker guys but also they have to be tough because they might be uh, asked to go in as a blitzer. You also got to be sure tackles in the open field. And so far, what I see from Jasir Taylor, he's a tough kid, plays hard, and he hustles to the football. And we talked about earlier, Alan Williams, what do you say in terms of what they want? You know, play hard, play fast, and, and, and be physical. And I think this is a guy that, you know, although 5'10 and 186 pounds, brings some of that quality. So this, these are what I'm, I'm taking the coach's words, and I'm taking them to the field, and I'm finding these kind of football players for them. Excellent. You love guys that, that stand out, you know, during the game. You know, those, those are often, oftentimes the guys that you look for, the guys that catch your eye during the game to make big plays that that uh, you know show up when the the, the lights are, are brightest. Tay Martin, Jasir, Tay Martin, and, and uh, you know uh, Jasir were you know the two guys that definitely did that. You know, Tay Martin, you, he from the very beginning of that of that football game, got himself open, caught all the balls, made all the plays. And what's one thing I, I keep saying, guys, that we need in that wide receiver room? We need guys with size, man. We need some size in that room. We can't just have a bunch of, of, of Superman just running routes. He's six mm-hmm. one and a half, one eighty eight. You know, he's got long arms at thirty two, almost and a half. You know, almost seventy seven and a half. Uh, you know, wingspan. Um, you know, big enough hands to, to be a sure handed you know you know pass catcher, be a reliable hands guy. Um, I, I love a lot of what I saw out of Tate Martin, and uh, you know, you, you hope that he's a guy that that's available when. You know, we need him to be available. What I love about when I when I watch these kids at the All Star games, at the practices, and and I, they stick out and they, and they do things that, you know, I, that I like, and mm-hmm. I go back and I watch their tape, 
and they're doing the same damn things on tape, mm-hmm. that to me is a hit. That I'm like, all right, this guy is consistent. I'm seeing what I'm seeing now in front of me live at, at these all-star games, but I'm also seeing the same damn things on tape. And right. that's what you do with Tay Martin. Mm-hmm. Outstanding stuff, guys. Um, are those all of the player evaluations that you have, or can we go to some of the questions we are we're getting from people? We got senior questions as well. Oh, I'm sorry. Please, we, we, we can mix in. I mean, we can mix in questions. All right, let's let's put some questions up there. Um, Bear Truth Nine uh, says one of the positions I'm really starting to look at is that slot nickel position because that's what uh, we we're being told is it's important that nickel three position, the um, um, slot corner, and the will linebacker. So, Bear Truth Nine is saying is a free agent that he's been looking at is DJ Reed. This will be the first year I'm really studying that cornerback spot, says Bear Truth Nine. What do you think think about veteran DJ Reed as a free agent acquisition for the Chicago Bears? What do you know about him, and or is this a guy that you'd like to study a little bit more? Uh, I haven't watched him with, with, to be honest with you, in terms of with the, with the Seahawks. I mean, he hasn't really stuck out to me when I when I watch Seahawks games. Uh, uh, not really breaking down their their tape. But I think DJ Reed wasn't he from Utah? Am I mistaken, Neil? Is he is he? Uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking Pack. Pac-12 kid, right? DJ Reed. On two seconds. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember much in terms of his college tape that I, I could I could kind of just think off the top of my head here. But yeah, in terms of watching him play it with the Seahawks, he hasn't really done anything to to me for me to really stick out. Now, there are a couple of players in terms of if you're talking about free agency. Um, I, I don't I don't know if they're gonna attack it via free agency. They they might go ahead and maybe keep it in, in you know uh, internal with with Thomas Graham Jr. Uh, uh, Kendall Wilder we talked about, depending, on, again, what this coaching staff sees in these players and the potential they have. We just talked about uh, Jasir Taylor from, from Wake Forest. is a kid that I, I saw the East West uh, Shrine game that I think could fit that mold in terms of inside slot corner. I think this is where you go. Now, in terms of free agency, you know, Chris Harris Jr. is, is a guy that, that, that's that been a star in this league in terms of corner. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, is up there in age, but you can probably bring him in and, and, and have him, you know, help you out in that in, inside in terms of that, that, that slot corner position. Casey Hayward is another guy that I think off the top of my head, I think he's the guy that's played slot corner before with the Packers specifically. Uh, this year, he had a pretty good year with, with the Raiders on the outside. So, you know, if you're looking for veteran free agents, those are some of the guys you, you can take a look at. But I think they, they might attack that position. I, I think they might get a corner on the outside via free agency. I think that they can go that way and then kind of maybe bring, like I said, in the internal guys and have them compete for that position, maybe bring in, a kid from the draft and compete for that position inside at slot corner. But I think the most important thing, I think most pressing right now is finding a, a corner opposite of, of uh, Jalen Johnson on the outside. I think that's going to be the, uh, one of the top priorities. Good stuff. Uh, Tony DJ Reed, football, Kansas State. Kansas State. Okay. Um, Tony uh, says that he yeah. likes the safety cornerback Joshua Williams from Fayetteville. Oof. You had a guy had a chance to look at uh, Williams? I saw him play uh, uh, some of the practice tapes. Uh, I think it was that was number thirty, right, Neil? If I'm not mistaken, uh, he had absurd measurables. Yeah, I think if, if I'm not mistaken, Joshua Williams is, is number thirty on the. Joshua Williams was number thirty, six two and a half, one ninety three, yes. thirty two yeah. and, and a quarter arms, seventy eight and eighth wingspan. I mean, yeah, you know, he, he's one of those he guys popped, that just has length for days. Yeah, wow. he popped on on some of that on some of those practice tapes, guys. Uh, he's a guy that that did catch my eye. I haven't done much. Tape on 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 Fayetteville. I'll, I'll see if I can find anything, but that's definitely a guy that that I circled in terms of going back and, and circling back and taking a look and see if I can find anything on him. And and but yeah, in terms of size, uh, you know, ability to to you know, and one on ones at least down at Mobile to stay in phase 
downfield was was really impressive to me with, with Joshua Williams. But again, I haven't done unfortunately that that much work on him. All right, well, well, yeah, those lower level guys were impressive, and, and just in terms of of their body types. That he and, and the uh, the kid from Washington. You know, I, I love when these these lower level guys get invites to this game so they can show what they can do against real competition. Both those guys came in, measured in really well, performed hard. I mean, you, you, you love what you saw from the onset. Definitely makes you want to go back and look at some real some real tape. Gregory Jr. kind of didn't do anything for me. You you liked what he did? At I, I, I liked his size and, you know, the limited clips that I was actually able to pay. I wasn't watching too many uh, quarterback, uh, you know, clips, uh, not much of the practice film. Uh, but, you know, the, the little of what I saw, it was uh, intriguing enough to go back and, and, you know, study some more. I haven't seen too much on him. I just you love his body type. You love, you know, what you saw from uh, just a you know, tiny you know, snippet standpoint on the kid. These lower-level kids, like, this is the one shot that they have. You love to see how these guys go ahead and compete against real competition. Yeah, in terms of corners specifically, that, that got my eye and that, that I've circled down, I've done some tape, uh, tape study on, is, is uh, this kid from Penn State, uh, Tariq yeah. Fields. I think he's a guy that, that really intrigues me. Again, a guy that I think can can excel in off coverage, right? I know I know with, with Iberflus that last year with the Colts, he kind of mixed in a lot more man coverage. But I think uh, you know Castro Fields fits that mold as well because he's a guy at Penn State, you put on his film, you see him a lot in off coverage. You see him kind of peeking into the backfield and then coming downhill aggressively and attacking and wrapping up anything that's in front of him. But also when you go back to the senior bowl, now you see him staying in phase with these quicker, shiftier, bigger body receivers, and that really caught my eye there as well. So uh, Tariq Castro-Fields from Penn State is a guy to keep an eye on the cornerback. And the other guy that caught my eye was, was DeMar Mathis from Pitt. Uh, I mean, th- these Pitt players, defensive players, man, they, they come in the NFL and they can play. I'm talking about guys like you know, uh, you know, Bennett Jackson is a guy I know he's playing uh, corner for, for, the, for the Bills. Um, you know, Hamlin, DeMar Hamlin has been playing in the league as well. I'm talking about the the other guys, you know, up front as well. So, you know, DeMar, um, DeMar Mathis is a guy that really caught my eye. Competitive, feisty. He's about 5'11", 5'10 197 pounds. Um, doesn't have really long arms. So he might be a guy that could fit, depending on his on his quickness, how he tests, he could fit inside at, at, at slot corner, uh, DeMar Mathis, that is. Uh, but feisty, feisty, a guy that, that doesn't back down for anybody. I love seeing that in my corners. You know, you, you, know, you might be out, you know, out, uh, out man in terms of physical strength and size, but you don't back down. You don't back down. You go out and make it, you make a play on the football, attack the football, especially as a one-on-ones where all the scouts and all the, all the press is looking at you and you step up time in and time out. To me, that, that catches my eye. So he's a guy that I've circled to go back and, and take a look at his film at Pitt as well. But I love Pitt players, especially defensive players. Absolutely. You know, the uh, the D.C. At, at Pitt, Randy Bates, is is uh, a guy I spent, uh, you know, like five years with at, at Northwestern. You know, the guy coaches defense hard, and he expects players to play like the, the type of defensive football that we're going to expect here in Chicago. You know, tough, physical, flying to the ball, all those types of things. Um, you know, the, the Damari Mathis kid, you know, what I know about him is that, you know, he's a cover guy with physicality, you know, a tough, willing tackler, plays bigger than he is, the type of guy that you want in this defense, you know, going forward after having so many years of uh, recent years of guys that, you know, may be athletic, but are soft and can't tackle and everything else. The kind of stuff that just drives you crazy. Right. And, and you know, you had Aldo at top athletic tackler. You had him. He, he, he loved the kid. <laughs> yes. You could have stopped there. Aldo wants him. <laughs> tough athletic tackler. We haven't had a tough athletic tackler in our secondary since what? I don't know when, but uh, anyway, hey, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, see here. Here's the other thing too, guys. Is that uh, you know they obviously had the uh, the GPS uh, devices on these players during during the, uh, the the practices. Not not uh, 
the the really wet day, but they had during during the practice week the, the two other days that it was dry, and they had them on during you know the the game itself. Demar Mathis had the fastest game speed on defense of any player in, mm-hmm. in the entire game. You know he uh, he hit twenty point eight six uh, you know miles per hour during the game. He had a max acceleration of four point seven two yards per second, which is which is okay. But then seventeen fast accelerations, which is also one of the best. He he ran damn near a mile you know, throughout the course of the game. Like, he played his ass off. The other kid that I thought was was impressive, just for, for, just from a metric standpoint, was Tariq just real quick, uh, Sorry, Neil, just real quick on, on Demir Mathis, just so, so, so you know that that he's caught the eye of NFL scouts. When I text a scout, I was like, hey, Demir Mathis, I, I've been watching him. He's like, who? He's like, shh, don't say anything. <laughs> so, you know, scouts think that this guy, that they can see. So you, we were talking about, if this guy goes on a combine and runs a 4-4, 4-3, he's going third mm-hmm. round. He, he won't be available there after, after day two. I'm I'm, com- I'm com- I, that's how impressive he was at the at the practices. But I'm sorry, go ahead, finish your thought. Neil. No, no, I mean you're you're you're, you're spot on, man. Like that 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 kid is uh, trying. Oh, two main teams are trying to let that kid fly so far under the radar right now. It's it's kind of ridiculous. But um, all you gotta do is just turn on the tape and look at the metrics and check out the. I mean his, his measurables are nothing special in terms of of his length and everything else. But you you look at what he does from a from an athletic trait standpoint, and it, you know it's kind of impressive. That the kid that impresses me from both uh, a physical trace and an athletic trace standpoint, that is a complete almost unknown, is Tariq Wollen from UTSA, Texas San Antonio. Yeah, you're talking about a guy that has freakish uh, physical traits. You know, six three, almost a half, two hundred five pounds. You know, he's, he looks like a damn safety out there. Incredibly long. He's got length for days. Thirty three and a half arms, seventy nine wingspan. Might have the might have had the best physical measurables of any DB there over the course of the week. Then you look at what he did on game day. He mm-hmm. logged a 20.8 miles per hour, you know, didn't have, you know, a ton of fast accelerations, but you know, the way that he wins is with his length. It's kind of like, you know, Benjamin St. Juice last year, you know, you know, some of, some of his athletic measurables weren't the best on game day, but you look at what he did just from arm length standpoint, physicality standpoint, that the, the kid is, you know, he, he's not going to go day one or day two, but he's going to be one of those freaky, you know, project type of kids that anybody with expendable picks is going to want to go ahead and take on day three, 100%. Yeah. Wooten has Seattle Seahawks written all over him for me. I mean, those tall yeah. corners, you know, that physical, that, that can, that can, that can play. And he really surprised me. His feet are quick for a guy that tall, that big, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being able to stay in phase with some of these quicker, you know, shift your receivers was really impressive. Really opened my eyes down at the senior bowl. I am Scox. Uh, wanted to know if you guys had any thoughts, any positive thoughts on Monteric Brown as a fifth rounder. He's uh, apparently built up some interceptions. I took a quick look at his Twitter account, and he actually um, made SportsCenter's top 10 plays. Let me uh, play that for you quickly. Uh, back in September, he uh, made this INT and uh, was featured on SportsCenter. So let's take a look at that. Number nine, <laughs> SportsCenter. Play the music. Tipped. Oh, and a nice, uh, nice interception there by number twenty-one. You guys know anything about Monteric Brown? He was supposed I, to be in Vegas for East West, and he never, yeah, he never showed up during the game. He didn't, uh, he didn't measure in um, on the arrival day. Um, I'm not sure what happened there. I, I, I was trying to research, you know, anything from him that said, "Hey, I'm not going to the, I'm not going to East West." I, he he did put up a, a thing that said, "Hey, I'm committed to the." You know, East West Shrine game, but there, there was never any reason why he didn't make it. So I, I do know that he was invited to the uh, the combine in Indianapolis. So in about three weeks or so, we'll be able to get a good look at him. 
Interesting. Yeah, as far as me, I, I've been just kind of focusing on the, on the East-West uh, rosters as well as the, the the Senior Bowl rosters and guys that really caught my eye and, and kind of digging into their tapes. So uh, I haven't done a done much uh, a thorough breakdown on on Brown yet, but definitely corner is is a top priority on this on this team. That's going to be a position that we're going to break down thoroughly uh, throughout this process. So we'll, we'll we'll get you there. Great. All right, let's continue on with your evaluations, and if we have time at the end of the show, we'll tackle some more questions. So, uh, uh, Danny, why don't you take it away? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, a lot of guys uh, impressed me that 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 will be on I me. Mean, I have my my list here of guys just you know. Uh, highlighted here left and right but but you know, some guys obviously sticking with the theme here offensive line um you know one one guy that really caught my eye obviously we talked about you know he kind of talked about it earlier uh is trevor penny uh it is a guy that, that has a size the length and the nastiness man this guy was nasty and i love nasty offensive linemen uh, I just asked Tyreek Smith from from Ohio State how nasty he is. So uh, this is the guy that and one on ones with his own teammates. If you guys missed it, yeah, he was he's burying guys. I mean, the guy tries to get up, he bears him back and get into the ground. So, but I think well, he had first round buzz coming into the Senior Bowl, and I think after his measurables, I think after the, the way he played, I think he he's nowhere near in the Bears territory. So I think Trevor Penning is is gonna go in the first round somewhere. So I, I don't unless he totally bombs at the, at the combine and, and and just really either there's a medical issue or whatnot. I don't think he's coming down to, to the bears that are you know, being available there at 39. So now I'm trying to look at, at guys, maybe, you know, you know, second, you know, third round, um, you know, a guy that wasn't at the senior boy, I came from Ohio state, uh, petite free. I, I like a lot, but he wasn't there, but, but some, some guy that, that really, really intrigues me. And he's a small school guy. This Matt well, let's go from, from North Dakota. I don't know if he did any work on him yet, Neil, or not, but man, 6'6", almost 6'7", 310 pounds, 35 and one-eighth arm length. He's got the he's got the, the huge wingspan, big hands. And this, if you watch him, this is the kid, this kid's a light on his feet. I mean, you, you see him uh, go out there and pass pro. I saw him play against Utah State. Uh, you know, again, he's a FCS player. So there's there's a, there's that little gap there in terms of you know, adjustment coming up to, to the next level, North Dakota. Uh, but he's an athletic left tackle prospect. He's got tremendous size and length. We talked about that. Moves easy in space, right? He, he's got the foot agility to be able to play left tackle in, in the NFL. And he's got the quickness when beaten to be able to recover. Uh, and when you see a guy that big, that size, with that type of quickness, a left tackle, that really intrigues you. Again, you got to be patient with this guy. I'm not saying you're going to come in next year and be a starter or left tackle, but definitely a guy, if you get him in that fourth, fifth round range, he's a guy you can store and, and, and eventually develop into a starting caliber left tackle. Quick, agile, out of his out of his release into that second level. So this is the guy that, that really got my eye. Obviously, you know, lower level competition, talked about it, got to get adjusted to that. Uh, needs to get stronger at the point of attack. I, I saw a couple of times Utah State guys kind of uh, – uh, knocked his head back and, and kind of got him off off track there. So he's got to get stronger. Um, you know, he's got to clean up his and refine his, his pass pro technique. But again, for a lower level guy, he might get in day three. I think this guy's got tremendous potential. That's Matt Letzko from uh, from North Dakota. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I felt the same way just watching him move around on the practice field. Certainly has the AA just raw as hell. You know, he, he's a little bit of a project guy. Uh, I have written down my notes round four or five, <laughs> we, you know, we're mind meld, right? <laughs> uh, I would love to get him. I would love to get him in the fifth round. I think I'd be a potential steal to get him in the yeah. fifth round. Yeah. And we, we got two round. picks at the top half yeah. of the, the, you know, the top end of the, of the fifth round. I, you know, there, there's a really good chance he could be there. I, I, I think he's probably, you know, in, in my mind, probably trending more towards a fourth round than, than a fifth round guy. But I mean, you know, typically a fourth round is where you take your projects that are super athletic that, that need to be molded a little bit. If he falls to five, I would love to take him at five, but uh, 
Yeah, 100%. You, this guy, this guy can, I think, can play. Uh, another guy with the small school guys, you know, like, um, remember, uh, although we've seen it with, with uh, Kindle Wilder, some of these smaller school guys, first couple of practices, they're they're kind of like, you know, uh, deer in headlights, they're not sure what's going on. But you saw with Walensko, he got better by by the third practice. Definitely caught that on, on tape as well. Yeah. Just going to go through real quick here in terms of the, the skill position. Christian Watson for me, North Dakota, uh, North Dakota State was was a hell of a receiver. Uh, I talk about quickness, you know, size at six four, a guy that can uh, you know extend away from his arm, hands catcher, you know, uh, terrific body control, can contour and adjust to the ball. Christian Watson to me is, is a second round pick at a receiver. Uh, Khalil Shakur from Boston, uh, Boston, um, Boise State. Uh, I was watching uh, the, the the linebacker from Wyoming against Boise State, and and Shakur keep popping on tape. Keep making these, you know, these plays, you know, catching a, a, a slip screen and going upfield 10, 15 yards. You know, that's the kind of receiver with a Bears need on offense. I see. So Khalil Shakira is a guy from Boise State to keep an eye on. If this kid runs a 4 4, 4 5 in that type of range, he definitely brings you that big play potential downfield. And also, he's just terrific. His yards after the catch is, is, is phenomenal. For a guy not big, he's just shifty. He gets, he knows how to get in between and behind blockers, get in between guys and get upfield. Like I said, get those extra chunk of yards. So Khalil Shakir is a guy to keep an eye on. A guy that I got to do work on, a guy that impressed me when I watched him at, at the senior bowl was Bull Melton from Rutgers. You know, you pull this guy's uh, tape on, you know, he's, he's solid size. He's about 5'10", 5'11", 191 pounds, but he's shifty. He's quick. You can see him running up in the slot, beating guys off, off the release at the line of scrimmage. So I think that's a guy, again, made some nice catches in terms of his hands, showed some ability to, uh, you know, to adjust and contour and kind of extend away from his body, bring in the, the catch as well. So Bo Melton from Rutgers is a guy to keep an eye on. Jalen Tolbert was a guy I was looking at, South Alabama coming in. He looks like a, like a starting wide receiver. Obviously, he's, he's got some ways to go in terms of being in the, the potential number one or number two receiver. But I think as a guy to keep an eye on, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. Um, Austin, Austin, um, Calvin Austin from Memphis. Quick, shifty guy. He's a guy like like uh, uh, Eskridge from last year, a guy that I got no one could yeah. you know kind of cover him, right, one-on-one. Phenomenal practice film. Yeah, a guy that would be able to you know run those whip routes, those, those jerk routes in, in the middle of the field. No corner was able to stay, you know, in phase with them. So I think that's a guy, if you're looking for a slot, quick receiver, quick hitting guy, the kid from Memphis has got to keep an eye on. So, um, you know, we're talking about tight end. Tight end is, is an area that Bears need. Now, are you going to attack that in free agency? You could bring in a couple of veterans. Are you going to bring in a couple of guys from this draft? Again, five picks. I'm not sure if if, if tight end is, it might be a considered a luxury to use a draft pick with it. Now, if you trade down, accumulate some more picks, a guy you can keep an eye on is, is this kid from UCLA, Greg Dulich. Uh, 6'3", 6'4", 248 pounds. Looks like a, a, a phenomenal move tight end prospect. A guy that's got some quick twitch at the line of scrimmage, can get out, get released, get free from the linebacker, or even if it's a safety covering him, get into the rough head and get down the seam and threaten downfield as well. So Greg Dulich from uh, UCLA is a guy to keep an eye on as well there. So I don't want to be taking all these guys from you, Neil. So you want to go ahead and give us a couple of your names? From the yeah, I mean, just – yeah, I mean, you know, just to touch on the back end of of some of these guys that you listed, um, you know, again, I, I like to always go back to the to the GPS metrics, and you know, some of the some of the uh, some of the numbers that came in on a couple of these wide receivers was was just insane. So I'll start with Christian Watson from North Dakota State. He uh, he achieved twenty point two five uh, max speed during the game itself. Max but acceleration. It's it's easy speed. It's very it's, easy it's, speed. Yeah, I mean, you know, max acceleration was five oh nine, which is one of the best, uh, you know, above amongst all players. The best, most all players are Calvin Austin from Memphis. Yeah. 5.86 max acceleration yards per second. That, that is hauling ass, guys. 
That, 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 I mean, you know, rarely do you see guys above six. He got damn near six. He had 27 fast accelerations. Calvin Austin did. Christian Watson had 30. And, you know, the thing about it is, is Christian Watson doesn't look like he's traveling very fast because he has big, long legs. He covers so much ground. Um, you know, th- those guys from, from a metric standpoint were very impressive on game day. And I, I can go back into practices that, that, you know, there, there's just a lot of stuff. Um, you know, the, the funny thing is, you know, you mentioned Bo Melton. I, you know, I, I kind of had a quip during the game. Like, I'm not sure Bo Melton understands that this is a job interview. You don't take a, a, a kickoff out of the end so I can tackle at the five. That kind of like drove me crazy. Try probably try to scouts and tope is crazy as well. But, but you know, he's, he, he's, he's, a he's, a, he's a shifty. What's that? They made a good point on the broadcast. They said, you know what, this is an all-star game. Let's see what you can do. Right yeah, now, well, it's yeah, a regular no, game. Yeah, but... yeah that, that's a total no-no. But you know what? Let's see what you can do <laughs> in an all-star game. So I, I, it was on a broadcast. I kind of like, oh yeah, you know, because I was with you there. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like that shows <laughs> that you know, like you're not you know, paying attention here. But it is an all-star game. A good point. Hey, let's see what you can do with with, with this ball here. I, I mean, he didn't do much, but it, it's it's a something I, I didn't think of yeah. initially. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but so yeah, you know, Christian Watson. Uh, Calvin Austin, and you know, the thing about Calvin Austin, I, I, I kind of broke in when you're, you know, doing your evaluation for a second, but he had phenomenal, phenomenal practice film. I mean, he, he is a fine-tuned, you know, Ferrari out there running his routes. You know, he, he is, he, he, his acceleration is off the charts. He can stop and start with the best of them. He gets all kinds of separation from, you know, whoever's covering him. He's going to have a long career as a slot receiver at the next level. Um, Just take a look at you know some of the guys that come on Memphis the last couple of years, right? Tony Pollard, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Antonio Gibson, you know, guys like this, guys that can just are, are are guys that can you know get the ball in their hands and they can make things happen. And that thing that that's where Watson's going to fall into it as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing about uh, Memphis guys, they generally all are cut from the same cloth: under recruited, hardworking, super athletic, had to work their way to where they are. You know, I, I don't know. I, everything I hear about about uh, the, the Memphis kid is really good. I mean, so, you know, if we go back to the offensive line topic um, tomorrow, I would take, you know, Trevor Penning, Ed Ingram and Zion Johnson, and maybe even Andrew Stuber and make that my left tackle, my left guard, my center, my right guard. Those guys had an excellent week. Trevor Penning, he himself is one of the meanest, nastiest dudes I've scouted. I absolutely love the way he plays. You know, Ed Ingram, is, uh, you know, he, he played left guard for most of the week there. Ed Ingram was a guy that last year um, I probably had, I think, if I can remember correctly, a like fourth, fifth round pick. He was definitely a day three guy. Good thing that he came back. But he's a guy that's tough. He's stout. He's strong, powerful. He controls the line of scrimmage. And he's known for his violent hands. You know, a, uh, see, a, a I didn't fourth. see it on tape this year, Neil. And I, I had him. I was high on Ed Ingram last year as well. But I didn't see that on tape this yeah. year. And I, I don't know if it's just – Going through the motions and, and all that stuff, but I I didn't see that. And then and and on some of the one on ones, he got walked back a lot. And as a lot of times he got tossed on the ground. So like I think it was like day one. There was a couple of times I forgot who the who the player was, but yeah, I mean I was a big Ed Ingram fan last year going into mm-hmm. that draft. Uh, I, he kind of turned me off. His tape turned me off a little bit this year. So if you're talking about like day three, yeah, definitely with that guy with that kind of size, that kind of length, that kind of. Um, that that stout body, the stout frame. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's a guy that could, that could definitely make make some damage there uh, in the interior. In, in terms of defensive line, again, we talked about you know the Bears are looking for that three technique. Anybody stick out to you on a defensive line that that will fit that specifically that that three technique for you? Besides uh, uh, Wyatt from uh, Georgia, n- not anybody that's going to be available in in uh, third round. <laughs> Go ahead mm-hmm. and tell you that. Um, you know the guy that that was kind of like halfway intriguing was a John Ridgeway kid from Arkansas. You know, good size of six four and three quarters, three twenty seven, big ass hands, long arms, thirty three and five ace arms, eighty one three ace, uh, 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 you know, wingspan, 
quick and strong at, at, at uh, the, the nose where he plays. You know, he overpowers smaller, less powerful guards and centers. Um, it's, it's just my, my, my quick takeaway on that kid. But, uh, you know, he had a really solid week. I, I didn't really see, you know, necessarily look at him as, as a backfield disruptor, so to speak. The way I would talk about a Perry on Winfrey, the way I'd talk about like a Neil Farrell Jr., or Devontae Wyatt. You know those type of guys. Even Fidarian Mathis, I don't, I don't think is really a, a disruptor. He's a no. he's, he's a strong, stout, you know, interior guy that basically wins with size and strength, uh, not necessarily with uh, his ability to you know mix stuff up. Um, Eric Johnson was the one that really stood out to me, to be honest with you. Eric, Eric Johnson, Johnson from Missouri frame. State. Yeah, he's six he, four and a quarter, three hundred. He's, um, he's just he's just raw. You just you, you give him yeah. to a defensive line man, line coach, a good one, and it's going to be able to coach him up and, and teach him. But real quick, I. On Winfrey, and I know he was the MVP of the game. I know one on ones he dominated. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he helped himself tremendously d- during the week. Uh, but you put on his tape, I don't think he fits. And and, and again, everyone's gonna say ball players doesn't make a difference. If, if he's a, if he's a dude, he's gonna fit on your on your team. But I, I think Winfrey, he's he's way too stiff for me in terms of you know lateral agility. He's got he's more of a north south player. He's powerful at the point of attack. Can probably get stronger there as well. I mean, he was dominating one-on-one tackles, but but what he was mostly doing was just you know bullying these guys, getting inside their chest plate and, and walking them back, you know, in, into the backfield. So and that's why he did it in, in the game as well. So I, I think as as a three technique, I don't think he fits the scheme specifically. Well, I'm curious on your take on that one. Would you would you argue that he's more of a uh, Eddie Goldman type? Well, see, Eddie Goldman's more style versus the run. Right, so if you put on his Oklahoma tape, I mean, he's getting he's getting washed out by by guards. He's he's getting you know pushed out again. No no lateral agility. Looks like he's got some some lower body stiffness there as well. So moving east and west is going to be hard for him. So if, if he does if he doesn't beat you initially off the snap with his strength, with his power, with his length, you know, he, he's pretty much done for the rest of that 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 series or that that particular play in in terms of him. But now again, hats off the guy dominated. Like I said, no doubt dominated one on ones. Had a hell of a game. I love his intensity. I love his 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 want to. Like he's a guy. I don't know if you remember that that series. I, I believe uh, a guy like oh, come on, I was was Logan Hall from Houston. Uh, there was a, that Cole Strange, that the center from Tennessee Chattanooga, called out Logan <laughs> yeah, Hall. Plays ass off. <laughs> called out Logan Hall, and then Logan Hall went back at him, beat him. You know why is it? But then who's back there cheering him on, huffing and puffing? Is Winfrey. So I mean, he's a guy that it brings that 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 you know that uh, spark, that 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 uh, attitude that you want on your defensive line. I just don't. I put on this Oklahoma tape, and I'm like, this is this guy is too stiff to play in this defense, in my opinion. But yeah. now you put him, you put him in that old defense. You put him as, as a five technique, kind of like a um, 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 Akeem Hicks. Now you got mm-hmm. a simple player, right? You know, you, there's there's obviously you do need to move laterally, but not so much as as a three technique where you got to be twitched up. You got to be a quick twitched interior defensive lineman. You know, Winfrey is not that. Yeah, I, I think what we're getting at is that there is no perfect fix coming out of any of these bowl games. You know, number right. one, and number two, I think what we're also getting at is that this is a position that is very unique, and it's going to be tough to find that guy. There aren't just Warren Sapps growing on trees, or you Tommy know? Harris. There, there, Tommy I, Harris I, 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 yeah, I was about to say Tommy Harris. There, there also isn't Tommy Harris is growing on trees. You know, the, the, this this guy is a is a special type of breed of dude that is really. I mean, you you think about the 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 big time you know playmakers of this offense. It's the strong safety. It's the will. It's the three tech. And so we got to find that the special dude at all three of those positions for this for this defense to really, you know, go and kick ass on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, well, that's going to be the big challenge for Ryan Poles. Right. Although this guy does not fit the three technique, or he's more of an edge guy, and he's not a guy that I don't think the Bears would, would even have a shot at, or even would get with, with you know with uh, the current roster with with Mac and, and and Quinn. 
but uh, Johnson from FSU was was a superstar mm-hmm. at, at this whole entire week. I you know and ended up I think missing at the last the last practice. He didn't even play in the game. I don't believe. But he's yeah, a guy he had, that he had the ankle himself. coming out of day three. He had the ankle, yeah. and you know his 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 agent said he can play, but he decided or yeah, his doc said he could play, but the, his agent told him. Uh, he, uh, he, he's, he, he, you know, he catapulted himself. If, if there was any doubt, if he was on a border first, second round, he's entrenched mid to late first round area. So John, uh, Jermaine Johnson from uh, FSU, the guy was just in terms of, he could beat you with power. He could beat you with quickness. He had a spin move on a one-on-ones uh, that, that was just sick in terms of, you know, the way he, he can go in and just kind of play with these offensive linemen at the senior bowl. The guy was, was definitely a, a beast down there. So I think he, impressed everyone uh, you touched you touched on linebacker uh, and I was like, the guy that caught my eye was was a guy i was looking at obviously coming in, in into the senior bowl again going back to the sec going back to my stomping grounds and that's uh uh channing T- uh, tindall from um uh, georgia i think his speed Man. you know we talk about play hard play fast play physical i think he brings all those intangibles and that's something i'm going to be talking about a lot guys is what alan williams said play fast play hard play physical because that's what they're going to be looking for they told us the blueprint for the players they want, especially on defense. And I think that's something that we're going to be looking at. And Channing Tindall fits that. You know, he's a little undersized at 223. More, He's more like a tweener in terms of body type, whether he's a safety or, or, or a linebacker. But I think you put on a couple, you know, 10, 10, uh, 10 or 12 pounds of good weight on him. I think you're looking at, you know, worst case scenario, he's a strong side linebacker. You know, best case scenario, he's a guy that, that can potentially be a, a weak side linebacker in this system. So uh, yeah, that Tindall clip on special guy. teams was, well, special. <laughs> The, I mean, he, he, you know, running down the field, going from the hash to the sideline, the, the the closing speed, get the ball carrier. Uh, he's he really jumped off the film on that one play right there. Was was really where I said, wow, that that's a dude, you know. And you always know you have one when you when you go, go and look at one play, and be like, yeah, that's a dude, right? right. Yeah, the other linebacker that kind of left was Brian Asamoa from Oklahoma. Yeah, you know, he, you know what? It, 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 go ahead, finish, finish your. No, I was your, gonna say, like in, in the practice film, I don't, I don't watch too much of the game tape on it, but in, in the practice film, he looked like a guy that could play that Mike position. He kind of did remind me of uh, Al Gogoltree a little bit in terms of how he's able to cover his ability to flip his hips. He's he's got to do a better job of dropping. Like he would not keep his eyes in the backfield while he was dropping. He was looking to the point, not not the quarterback, right? So he's got to be coached up a little bit better in terms of his pass coverage. But the way he he moves, the way he's able to swivel his hips, the way that he could be playing space. He's a, he's a guy that I could see playing that Mike position in, in this defense and do a good job uh, at, at that position. See, for me, he's not physical enough. To me, he, he's a he's a weak side linebacker, possibly you know, add another you know ten pounds on him. He's got he's physical. I mean, he's he's quick. He's athletic, uh, six feet. So he's he's right around that, that in terms of the size there. But again, mm-hmm. he's a guy that can that can athletically get to the sidelines and make plays all over the field. Uh, his eyes are too slow for me in terms of diagnosing a play post snap. I just I, I even go back to his Oklahoma tape. I, you know, I had an agent hit me up early on in the year and say, "Hey, what do you think of Oklahoma?" I, I think I, I said I think he's he's got you know day two potential, but I think he's right now he's playing like day three guy, and and, and yeah. the guy the guy agreed with me. So he's a guy that you know his 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 play speed. You know, what I mean by that, guys, is is he doesn't instinctively he doesn't have it in terms of the linebacker position. You got to be able to kind of you know, see what, what the, the play is developing as it's, as the ball is snapped and kind of know where the ball is going off of your instinct, off of your tape study. And he's just slow. You can just see that he's just a tatter, you know, a second or two, just slow. He's more reactive uh, than, than being proactive in terms of making these plays on, on the, but hell of an athlete. Again, if, if you can get him into your system, add some weight on him, coach him up, could potentially be looking at, at, at a guy that's going to be able to be a starter for you down, down the road. But yeah, definitely a guy athletic. I love, uh, but I just, I just, 
I have questions about him, especially and and again, I only got five picks, man. I'm not gonna be taking chances on guys right. that might you know turn to be you know, a special teams guy or something like that. You know, I, I want guys that are gonna come in and hit. So um, you know, moving on Definitely. to the secondary real quick, although I don't know if we're up against the time or not, but this guy, I got to talk about this guy, and that's Jalen oh. Petrie from Baylor. Uh, absolutely love this kid. Now, my problem with him is I don't know what to do with him because he's not big enough to be a safety. And and they, if you watch Baylor, you know, they have him playing covering the slot most of the time. And they, they use, I think, I forgot the name of that, that position. They, they, I don't know if it's called star or whatnot, but he, he's a guy that, that's always coming in off the edge uh physical for a guy that size is only 5 10 196 pounds you know short arm about 30 30 inch arms uh three-year starter two-time academic all big 12 so the guy's got a head on his shoulders a 2021 big 12 defensive player of the year uh you just put on this guy's tape he's all over the football field here you just see him pierce through the uh the offensive line and get into that backfield so again what am i looking at what's the name that I first thought of when, when i saw this kid play was antonio winfield jr and i made the mistake of thinking Winfield Jr. was too small to play safety every day. And I think that was a mistake that I learned from because, you know, these type of players, as long as you put them in positions to succeed, and if we take these coaching staff, this new coaching staff at the word, you know, they can get out, they can find a, a place where they can put this kid to go ahead and 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 be a, uh, a disruptor, if you will, instead of backfield. Again, he plays slot. You see him covering tight ends. You see him covering uh, slot corners. Uh, slot receivers, but he's more of, a, of an off guy. He's not a guy that I don't see him in phase downfield a lot, right? Is he more of an off coverage guy? So that's why that's why they're kind of projecting him now at the next level as a safety. Uh, but again, physical as heck, fearless as heck, all over the football field. He's probably going to run a four high four low four four high four four at the combine. He's going to athletically probably test off the chart. So again, he's a guy to me that really caught my eye. Uh, if you take a look at his stats, this guy's got he had. Four uh, forced fumbles within the last uh, two seasons. Uh, you take a look at his, his tackle numbers. I mean, 195 tackles. He's got 36 tackles for loss, guys. He had 18 and a half tackles for loss just last year. He's got eight sacks in his career and, and, and four interceptions. So, again, you put on his tape and you cannot take your eyes off this kid. And that, to me, tells me he's a dude. I just don't know where to line him up at the, at the next level. Mm-hmm. He's got those characteristics that the Bears coaches have been talking about, a passion for the game, never loafs. You know, you would have a great loaf score because that's going to be a big topic of discussion with this new Bears coaching staff. I wonder if we're going to be privy to these loaf metrics that they've developed on players. Uh, If not, we'll make up our own here week to week as we watch the Bears unfold in the 2022 season. This has been outstanding stuff, guys. You guys are the absolute best We've got uh, Danny. You've got three minutes, and then you know. The- I, 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 if you have questions, I'll stick around a little bit longer. If you have questions. All right. Yeah. Let's answer some questions, and let's do it as quickly as possible. Um, let's start off with uh, uh, Ravi asking, "What's the deal with Sky Moore? When I do mock drafts, the guy falls. You guys have any thoughts on Sky Moore? I don't. I'll, Neil, do you got anything on on Sky Moore? I was going to lean on you for that one. I, I haven't uh, no problem. Ravi, immediately watched anything on him. Yeah, Ravi, we'll have a, a, a response to him guy. on the next uh, show. Yeah, I, be, I believe he's from Michigan. Toa asks, uh, what do you guys think of Alec Lindstrom? Maybe middle round, second best center in the in the draft. So do you think he, if he fell to number 39, would you be interested? Too high, Too high 39. Okay. Too high 39. Uh, he, he's he's talk- a, probably a round five guy for me. Oh, five, five or six, you know, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, he's, he, yeah, he's 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 smart. He's he's a guy that that's gonna tough, you know, be tough and he's gonna he's gonna fight you tooth and nail. 
typical, you know, Boston College interior lineman. Uh, but he's a guy that that uh, you know doesn't have the the uh, phys- physical traits that you look for to be a starting center right away. But he's a guy that can come in and probably win a job eventually. Um, you know, just you know, think of a, a, a more tougher, more uh, smarter. Uh, and I don't say I shouldn't say smarter. That's that's unfair. Uh, 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 in terms of a, a center that we have currently on our, on our roster. So I think he's a guy that could come in and compete, but, you know, third, uh, second round, not, not pick 39. That's, that's way too high for, for Lynch. I, I do think he's, he's one of the top centers in the, in the draft for sure. Um, but for me, that, that kid from Iowa is, is a top center right now. Yeah. I think we're going to have a pretty good indication of what the bears are going to do at the center position right after free agency, you know, um, it, yeah. it, it, I, I've, I've sent a highlight on, on my, my free agent list, uh, guys that, 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 I'm, that they can look at, you know, Ben Jones from, from the Titans is a guy you can take a look at, uh, the kid, the, uh, the, the kid from, from the Ravens is, is, is a guy that, and, and is a former Alabama player and his name is drawing a blank down his name, but, uh, um, uh, he's a guy that can look at as well. I, I, I know a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, people want Ryan Jensen from the, from the Bucks. Uh, I think he's going to cost a lot of money. Again, we, you know, we got, we got so many holes to fill. Only five draft picks. We're gonna have some some cash in in, in terms of uh, under the cap, uh, but you got to spend wisely. You know, you can't go out there and make those you know big splash. You know, like I heard someone on Twitter say, "Oh, Devontae Adams, guys, get that out of your mind. That's not gonna happen. That should not happen, right? Devontae Adams should not be on this. The Bears are not a Devontae Adams away from winning a Super Bowl. It's not gonna happen. Not even right. not even the the, the kid uh, Godwin from from Tampa Bay. He's not even a guy that that I would go after. You know, you're, you're looking at guys. You know. Um, Know, guys that, that are kind of getting into their second, you know, contracts here, like a guy like DJ DJ Shark is a guy that you could bring in. Guys gives you that big play potential. His issue is staying healthy, is staying on the field. You know, but again, you got to have to give him probably an season laden laden contract, depending on what the competition is for him. Are other teams coming after him? You know, Christian Kirk, he's more of an interior slot receiver. You know, do you want to go that way? I, I loved Michael Gallup. I, I just unfortunately he got hurt towards ACL. It, and that's more of a, a late in the year injury. So you know you. you takes usually a year for these guys unless you're adrian peterson blessed with that you know that that you know super super body there he's got but it usually takes a year for these guys to recover so you know if you sign michael gallup you know how long is he going to be you know until he's available and, and ready to go out and, and play so uh that's the unfortunate part in terms of you know getting some of these receivers that um that, that are injured but uh yeah i mean i, I think you, you gotta go get at least one or two you know maybe not you know, tier one or even tier two receivers, you got to bring in some guys here to, to, cause you only have what two players on under contract currently at the receiver position. But I think the draft is something where you're going to go and draft one at least and bring in one or two in terms of free agency. I was really upset when Ryan Pace did, uh, did not pick up Rasul Douglas from the Arizona Cardinals uh, practice squad. The green Bay Packers did. And Douglas was a big factor for, uh, the, the, the Packer, Packers in the second half of the season came in and made big play after big play. Now he is a free agent. What do you guys think about Rasul Douglas? I like him. I stay away. I stay away because he, he's looking to cash in on, on, on a big payday right now. And he's a guy prior to going to Green Bay, this this guy was was not able to, to stay in phase with anybody downfield. That's why he got cut. Uh, so he was struggling. He got into the system with, with Green Bay and whatever, whether it was the way they, they coached him up or the way they, they put him in position to succeed. He had a hell of a, a second half with, with Green Bay. And I think he was a guy that, uh, you know, is going to go look to cash in big now. And then again, just the body of work, the good body of work for me is not there. It's not consistent. And I'm not going to give this guy a big payday right now to go ahead and, and, and just come in and, and, and go back to revert back to the Douglas we saw with, with the, uh, 
with, with the Eagles and the guy we saw with the, with the Cardinals that they got him cut. So for me, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna target a, a veteran corner, I'm looking at guys like Stephon Gilmore. Uh, if, if you if you want to go, you know, w- w- bigger in terms of money, you know, yeah, exactly. You you have to pay for him, right? So, but but again, you you know, even with Shul Douglas, he's coming off of a great season. I think believe he made the Pro Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Uh, so he's gonna want money as well. So I'd rather put that money towards a guy like Stephon Gilmore. Maybe go maybe go less years, right? Maybe go less years uh, with a guy like Gilmore, uh, but pay him like that. What is that? Ten, fifteen million dollars, whatever he's gonna be asking for. But uh, you know, other positions, you guys, I've been doing some free agent look as well. Uh, you know, if you if you want to look at look at linebackers, right? Neil and I were talking about linebackers here fitting this system, right? Because we're gonna need linebackers, guys. I think I think right now the only way we're gonna have Al Goldcutree is gone. He's not gonna be on this roster next year. I think they're gonna flip um, uh, um, Smith out uh, out to uh, out to weak side linebacker. So I think the middle linebacker is open. And I think strong side linebacker is gonna be open. So guys, to keep an eye on Anthony Walker Jr. from used to be with Northwestern. Uh, uh, went to uh, um, was drafted by the Colts. Uh, you know he had a ter- terrific year under Matt Eberflus and his staff. Then ended up going to Cleveland as a free agent. You know he's a guy coming off of last year. He started 12 games for the Browns. Uh, had 113 tackles, uh, two tackles for loss. So he's a guy that could be brought in here to possibly be a middle linebacker type player here as well for the Bears. Look at Kazir White. Name sounds familiar, right? Mm-hmm. That's Kevin White's brother. He's a guy that was a safety at West Virginia. They've converted him over to, to a linebacker, and he's been a hell of a productive linebacker for the Chargers. Just last year, 144 tackles. Uh, again, a converted safety, a guy who, who makes plays sideline and sideline. Could be a guy possibly as a strong side linebacker. Uh, Zaire Franklin, he's a guy on the Colts. He's a guy that, that plays strong side linebacker, wasn't a full-time starter, but he's a guy from Temple, a good special teams player uh, does a good job in terms of coming in and blocking and blocking uh, blocking punts and all that stuff. So he could be a guy potentially brought in to compete for that strong side linebacker position as well. And a guy that I like a lot, and I've liked him going back to his days at LSU is Quan Alexander. Uh, the unfortunate part about Quan Alexander, when he was he's on the field, he's productive, but the problem is he gets hurt a lot. Uh, but this is a guy last year with the Saints. He's he's six one two twenty seven. Uh, you know he started eight games. He had. Uh, three and a half sacks, 50 tackles, seven tackles for loss, and only uh, eight games started. So uh, two pass defense and, and a forced fumble. So he's a guy that, that is productive and is a guy that you can bring in if you want to maybe line him up inside the middle um, and the next to uh, next to Roquan Smith and then, you know, and flank him out with either a young guy at the strong side or, or bring him one of these veteran Frazier's at the strong side linebacker as well. Outstanding stuff, guys. Um, I promised Danny that I would get him out here, out of here at uh, five minutes ago. So. If we have more questions, we, we can go. We can go we've got on. we've got enough questions to fill another half hour. So <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know if I have to go. All right. Uh, Don Burr says, uh, "Any thoughts? Ask the guys any thoughts on John Ridgeway, the defensive tackle." Yeah, yeah I brought know. him up a little bit ago. Uh, we're talking about uh, the guys that stood out from uh, Senior Bowl. You know, had a good week. Uh, he wasn't one of the guys that uh, were "quote unquote" disruptors, in my in my opinion. As I, as I talk about those guys, like Perry Winfrey, Neil Farrell Jr., Devontae Wyatt, he's a guy that's probably a, a, a top end of uh, day three, maybe a fourth round guy. Measure in well, six four and three quarters, three twenty seven. Big old hands at ten and a quarter. Long arms, three three and five eighths. Big wingspan. You know, he's a, he's a quick, strong nose type player. He overpowers. Smaller, less powerful guards and centers is what I wrote down as my notes. I mean, he had, he had a solid week. He stood out. Um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where he fits within our defense, if, if he fits at all. 
you know, he's probably a guy that, you know, will come in and, and sit behind Eddie Goldman for the next couple of years up to his right. contract if, we, yeah. if he came on this roster. But, you know, in, in terms of trying to find that uh, difference maker three technique, I don't, I don't think he's that guy. I think he's more of the, more of the guy next to him. The, the, the guy that interior at playing the one technique, which is what Golden plays and what this guy's going to, which way will play. The guy that really sold the show down in Mobile was this kid, uh, Travis Jones from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy was a beast, 6'4", 326, one, a 34-inch arm length, uh, long arms. The guy was unblockable. Uh, we talked about Winfrey being unblockable one-on-one. This guy was unblockable, just but he was brute strength, power, just bullying guys back into the backfield. He's a guy, you know, we're talking about the interior defensive lineman. But, again, we talked about the Bears. I think Eddie Goldman have that, has a position kind of locked up there if they keep him here on, on his roster, depending what happens with his contract, you know, clearing up uh, money for salary cap, blah, blah, blah. But we're looking for interior three techniques, and those guys got to be quick twitch, more guys that hit up field, and, and Ridgeway is not one of those players. Right. If you if you look at uh, you know the uh, the players of the week, you know the interesting thing about that is you know that that's a position that's uh, voted on you know peer to peer, you know Travis Jones and uh, Neil Farrell for their respective teams were were the position players of the week. They they loved what Travis Jones did out of Connecticut, you know over the course of the you know the uh, the you know seven days that they were there, and uh, yeah, hundred percent that that dude was an absolute beast. Again, not a three technique, but you know he was a guy that definitely made him separated himself, you know during that uh, that time there mobile. Um, uh, who was it? Uh, oh, darn it. What just lost it, but here it comes. Um, PJ wants to know if the, your, if the team was satisfied with who they have at offensive tackle and Greg Gabriel this morning still believes that Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins can be the future at tackle for this team. So let's say polls and, uh, his staff agree with him. And they wanted to shore up the interior of the offensive line. So PJ is asking the question: What interior offensive lineman might you target in the third round, guys? I don't think he'll be there, but Zion Johnson from Boston College is a day one starter for me. I think that yeah. guy's borderline first round, early second round. So I, and I think if you want to Zion Johnson, you buy up again with a pick thirty nine. Now you're talking about specifically third round, uh, PJ, and then a guy I'm going to throw out there is is, is Jameer uh, Salyer from uh, from Georgia. Jamari. Uh, the guy played, he, I'm sorry. Jamari Sawyer. Jamar. Oh yeah, Jamari. I'm sorry, Jamari Sawyer uh, from Georgia. Uh, six two, six three, uh, three hundred twenty pounds. He played left tackle, if I'm mistaken, for them last year a little bit there, filling. But he's a guy that interior on, on, as a guard. I think he's an athletic guy. Again, we're, they're bringing this. Uh, they're bringing this. Uh, you know, they're keeping the, the wide zone it being even more now flamboyant in terms of the wide zone. Uh, you know, blocking scheme. So you need, you need guys, offensive linemen, especially the interior guys that are going to be able to you know, block moving laterally and be able to maintain our blocks. And I think this kid, um, um, Sawyer, can can be a pretty pretty good player interior there. If you're looking for a guy specifically in the third round, will he get to be there in the third round? Uh, you know, he might be there. He might go earlier, depending on how he does, you know, at, at the combine and all the other, other results and stuff like that. But definitely a guy that shows some versatility, a guy that, that's been been able to play, again, top competition in, in the SEC, uh, and a guy fits your fits what you're looking for here in terms of you know athletic interior moving uh, blocking guys. Yeah, he he's definitely an interior guy. I I feel like he would fit in really well at right guard. Just me personally, I feel like he was a little bit top heavy, you know, to begin with. But like he he, he you know strong powerful dude, um, practiced really well. Zion man, you know you know going into uh, going into the week in Mobile, I, I thought that he would you know he he probably had second third round. You know, draft grade going into the week, he definitely separated himself a lot during during the week. He was the overall practice player of the week, guys. 
you know, in terms of, you know, the, the peer voted on awards, he was the overall practice player of the week. And, uh, you know, the way that he conducted himself uh, over the course of time in Mobile, the way that he practiced, uh, the work that he put in. Um, and you, you look at the trace he comes in with anyway, it's just the athleticism, the strength, the, the intelligence, um, that leadership potential. Um, and he's also a guy that, that has played multiple positions at Boston College yeah. as well. He played left tackle during the 2020 season. He played left guard during this season. He's a guy that will play any position that you want him to play just because that's the way that he is. He was taking um, snaps at Donald Mobile as a center, too. He was playing yeah, center. Yeah, he's staying after practice, making the bus wait on him right. so he could take, you know, practice snaps at, at center and, you know, show that, that he you know, he's going to put in the work. Um, yeah. You know, so Johnson, the, the, the kid's just freaking impressive, man. Yeah, that's what they want to start all over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the one I think that could rise potentially is I, I touched on him extremely briefly when uh, you know I was going over the offensive line standouts from the Senior Bowl, but the Andrew Stuber kid from Michigan, what was really interesting to me. I think he's a, he's a mid round guy. You know, he's a guy that uh, 6'6", 327, 10 and eighth hands, thirty four and an eighth arms. You know, he's just big in his measurables, and he you know he's got like I said, great size and length. He's balanced, very stout at the point of attack. You know, from from a foot standpoint, he could pick him up, put him down. He's not special athletically, no. But damn, not. the dude gets it done. You know, then, I, I, he he was he was just incredibly strong and stout. You know, during during the one on ones and even like during the game. You know, for the most part, you know, over the course of time in Mobile, I thought he he was he was a guy that I didn't really know too much about that really kind of stood out to me. His length and his size surprised me. I thought he was going to come in shorter than that in terms of uh, arm length and, and size. Yeah. But he, you know, he has offensive tackle uh, measurables. Uh, but then they, they kicked him inside at guard, specifically at guard, uh, the entire week, and and then you know asked him like, why is it why aren't they playing him at right at, at tackle? He goes, and the scout told me he's like, do you want you know, him to protect your quarterback's blind side potentially, you know, because he's you know he's he's not fast enough, he doesn't have the the, right. the foot speed, the uh, lateral agility to be able to to stay out there on on the island by himself. So that's why he's been kicked out inside the guard. So yeah, he's a guy again, Michigan guys. What are they? They're, they're physical. They're stout at the point of attack. They're guys that, that can move guys off their spots. Uh, you know, we just talked about, you know, the Bears possibly, you know, probably utilizing, you know, kind of what the hires they've made and some of the stuff they've, they've, they've said, they're probably going to be on that that wide zone. And, you know, you guys have to be able to move laterally. And I, I just don't think Stuber fits that profile in terms of interior guys for, for the Bears scheme. Yeah. Toa has a good question. He says, what do you guys uh, think is the one wide receiver we have to at least come out of the draft with? David Bell, Dotson, Tolbert, Pickens. Which of those guys would you say, man, we got to come out of the draft with with one of these guys? I'll, I'll take any one of those four guys you just mentioned there. <laughs> I, I think I think David Bell is is a is a terrific receiver out of, out of Purdue. He's a guy that's going to be probably be in that top of that second round. I've seen some mock drafts with him in the in the bottom half of the first round. I think he'll he'll last in the second round again, depending on what he runs at the combine. Uh, Dotson, John Dotson, is, is a kid. Quick, lightning fast, you know, slot receiver, a guy that can get the ball on the open field, you know, slip screens or even even on jet sweeps, get the ball in his hands, let him do his thing. Got something that I've, I've been crying for the last three years here and getting getting these kind of players, these kind of playmakers on this Bears offense. Tolbert, we talked about uh, South Alabama, uh, has that body frame, the physique that looks like a potential number one, number two receiver. But again, he's a guy that's going to be got to get coached up. He's not there yet in terms of his route running. Um, you know, has you know pretty good hands, but you saw some drops, some bobbles there at, at the Senior Bowl. And Pickens, George Pickens is a guy that that I've loved a, a long time. Uh, had had some some issues off the field, nothing cr- crazy, uh, but had some some I think believe it was disciplinary issues off the field at Georgia. 
came off a, a torn ACL this this past season, uh, missed most of the season, but came back and was able to, towards ACL in the spring, if I'm not mistaken, Neil, correct me if I'm wrong, and yep, came back, right. I think, uh, late in the end season to go ahead and, and, and play and help Georgia uh, win that national championship. So that shows toughness, determination. A guy's going to be there for his teammates. So all four of those guys I would love to to uh, to have on a team. But in terms of impact, I, I'd say probably Bell, Watt, uh, Dotson, Pickens, and then Tolbert in terms of the potential they can have next season in terms of impact. That's how I'd rank them. Mm. Um. A, a couple of questions regarding depth. For instance, last asked, what is the single deepest position in this draft? That's a tough question. Yeah. Uh, in terms of overall, I, I think, I, you know, the, the interior offensive lines guys got some, a lot of, got a good players in there. And I think the, the interior defense, again, look, depends what you're looking for, right? Uh, now, if, if I, I go through my list and, I, and I, now that we're going to a 4 3, I see a lot of guys that could be hell of a, you know, outside three, four linebackers, right? Obviously, we're not going to go for that. But even if we were looking for an outside three, four linebacker, I mean, this, this kid from Minnesota, uh, 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 what's it, uh, uh, Mafia, Mafia. Uh, yeah, boy, Mafia. That, boy, Mafia, that kid was electric. Down that, that his ability to get around the corner and and bend, which surprised me because I, I didn't see that at the, on his tape. Again, maybe he's doing some some postseason training, whatnot. But his ability to be a, be a, a, a demon, demon off the edge was, was, was huge. huge. Um, Tyreek Ty 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 is the guy I, I like a lot. From Ohio State. State. I, think I think he, he, he did a good job. Um, there's, there's the, 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 the kid, kid uh, the, the kid from South Carolina, uh, Kingsley, uh, and Nick and Vare. He's Kingsley a kid Ingvare. that really in, in, intrigued here in terms of an outside three four linebacker, you know, edge guy. So, I think if, if you're looking for, for a three four linebacker, you can find those guys. I think if you're looking for interior defensive linemen, depending on what you're looking for, you're looking for a three technique, it's going to be a little bit, you know, pick and choose there. But if you're looking for big, powerful guys, you know they got a ton of those here in, in, in the, uh, uh, you know, in this draft, and also interior offensive linemen as well. I think we, there's a some pretty good depth there too. That's what I was gonna say. If you're if you're talking in terms of what we need, I would say interior offensive line all the way. You, you can find guys that are probably gonna eventually be starters somewhere in the fifth, sixth round if you really want to. Um, you know, I, I you know I, I would not be opposed whatsoever to taking two offensive linemen in this draft. You know, with that second round pick, I think that needs to be the best available offensive lineman on the board, period. And then on the back end, fifth, sixth round, go ahead and take another one because we need to shore up our ability to protect the quarterback if we want to have any chance of getting to a Super Bowl anytime soon. Guys, excellent stuff. Um, we still have more questions, but I'm going to collect them and we'll address them on our next show, which, by the way, is scheduled for Thursday, February 24th. We're going to discuss the late, the uh, continue to discuss the needs of the Chicago Bears as we learn more and more about what they are planning to do in terms of running a system. We're going to do uh, have some more scouting reports on players. We'll also have a very special guest that I'm working on lining up. Uh, so it's an, another can't miss show. And if anything special happens, I'll bug the guys and see if they can pop in here to share their thoughts, whether it's on this show or one of our other shows on the um, Barroom Network. Any final thoughts, Neil and Danny? I'll start with you, Mr. Danny. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Neil Stopchinski. <laughs> Danny Stopchinski. No. Um, well, man, you know, that, that, was a, that was a hell of a week for these, uh, for these bowl games. You, know, you always love seeing these guys, you know, all together and in the same setting competing and uh you know working their ass off and you know anytime we can go ahead and get the all 22 film from practice and game day i mean that that really helps us do our job and it helps answer your questions and you know fill you in on what's actually going on 
the, the one thing that we got this year that we didn't get from years before was the, the GPS metrics, which is really cool to sort of just, you know, see what these guys do from a, from an explosion speed standpoint, not yeah. talking about 40 yeah. times, not talking about shuttles, but just real actual metrics. So that, that, that's some cool stuff that uh, I'll probably dive a little bit more into as, as we move forward. Um, you know, in, in terms of me being able to, you know, do the show, thankfully national signing day is well behind us. I'll have a lot more time to be able to pull up, you know, college film, be able to evaluate a lot of these players. Um, so, you know, going forward, I'm amped up to answer a lot of the questions about some of the guys that we had talked about on the show already and uh, dive much, much deeper into, you know, the guys on the top end of my board and try to figure out who the hell we're taking with these, you know, two picks on day two. So um, a lot more free time moving forward, guys. I'm, I'm amped up. Awesome. Uh, Danny, what do you got? Yeah, for me, I, I mean, uh, the, for me, the, the, this draft process is three phases, right? Phase one is a senior bowl. Phase two is a combine. And then phase three is, is, is a pro day. So, so far, we're, we, you know, we've gone through the first phase and already we're, we're you know, me and I are, are foaming at the mouth in terms of some of these prospects we're finding here, the guys that can fit into the scheme, into, into, the, into the system and, and finding some, some, you know, some ball players, some dudes like we like to call here in scouting for, for the Bears. So I think that phase one has is, is, is been, has been very, very uh, um, intriguing and, and very, exciting to see some of these some of these prospects now let's see what happens at the combine see some of these guys kind of kind of you know you know uh build off of their you know their good weeks there at the east one shrine game and, and there's even there's guys that, that i caught my eye at, at at the collegiate bowl that, that, that we didn't even get a chance to get into so maybe we'll get into some of those guys on our, on our next show as well but yeah i mean there, there's tons of prospects here i just wish the bears had more than five picks uh you know i, I would love to see them even though i i think they get a, they got a top-notch player with that 39 maybe trade down and, and recoup some of those picks. Cause I'm telling you, you know, if you're looking for interior offensive line and you can probably get a guy to come in and be a contributor right away in the fourth round, that's the kind of depth we have here in the interior offensive line. Uh, but, you know, I know. And then also other thing that I'm keeping an eye on is, is some of these free agent moves, right? You know, who, who the bears are going to cut. Are they going to keep anybody? They're going to create more cap space because I think, you know, filling in their free agent need, filling in their summer needs via free agency is going to tell us and kind of dictate to us what they're going to do you know, at, at the draft, but uh, yeah. So, you know, continue to break down tape. I love you guys. The suggestions, you'll know, hit us up, let us know who particularly you guys want us to, to break down. Uh, you know, I'm going to go back. I made a note for that corner from Arkansas. Take a look at him for our next show. So it's definitely going to go ahead and give you guys some of those, some of those reports as well. But yeah, we, we love you guys when you guys, uh, you know, participate and, and give us who you guys want. We know you guys are knowledgeable. We know you guys follow the stuff just like Neil and I do. So, you know, give us the names and we'll come back here and, and, and give you some of some scouting reports. Hopefully, unfortunately, you know, Smoke Money's report wasn't wasn't too positive. So sorry about that. But I just got to I got to tell you how it is, man. I, I just I had to turn this tape off. And it's not very often that I turn off these prospects tapes, especially guys to play in the SEC, uh, especially guys, you know, play at Auburn. So uh, but unfortunately, but there's another guy in the open secondary that I'm, 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 I'm in love with. And that's Roger McCreary, guys. Keep an eye on this cornerback. This could be a, a, the second round pick in number thirty nine. Roger McCreary from, from Auburn is a kid to keep an eye on. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk in the chat room about, you know, trading down, trading that 39th pick and acquiring draft uh, picks and the chart there, there's a two or three charts that have become famous for uh, assessing or attaching draft value to your picks. And I, I pulled it up real quickly. The bears with their 39th overall pick, you see it highlighted here, 510 points. So if they were to trade with Denver for their last pick of the second round, they've got 270 points. There you see it. That's the 64th pick. And then if they came back and added, if Denver added uh, their 75th pick, 
That's 215. It still does not equal the Bears 519 points, so they could potentially pick up a six-rounder. So that's mm-hmm. essentially what you would see if they were to make a, a trade uh, to, to acquire picks, a, a late-round second-rounder, a, a late pick in the second round, a mid-third round pick, and then something in the sixth or seventh round. That's what that 39th overall pick could get you in a trade. Would you guys make a trade like that to, to add an additional two picks to your draft collection? I would. I mean, I, obviously, depending on my board, right, and seeing what I'm looking at here, because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that the, our our board fits what the Bears are looking for, right? We're talking about receivers, we're talking about offensive linemen, we're talking about interior offensive linemen, you know, tackles, Inside linebackers, corner. There's so many needs here that 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 you that you if you drop back that far, you're gonna be able to find players. Now there are certain positions where you might be, you know, it might be barren, right? If you're looking for a starting safety, you might wanna if you are targeting starting safety, which they might not be doing. But I'm just saying that might be an area where you might wanna, you know, if you if you see a guy that's high on your board, a guy you potentially had going at bottom after the first round for whatever reason, he drops in the top of the second round, and you, and you value that position. Uh, your staff values that position, then you, you you might stay there and make that pick. But I, you, although you know me, I love picks, man. I think more more swings at the plate is is the best chance for you to hitting hitting a home run. Right? Even if you hit doubles with, with those with those extra picks within a third or fourth round, those are still players that are going to be able to come in and contribute on your football team and give you great depth, possibly turn into a, to potentially into a starter. So I think these are these are like I said, more swings at the plate is what I'm looking for. So yes. I would do that move because I think what they're going to be looking for is going to be a receiver. And I think if you drop down to the bottom of the second round, you're still going to have a shot at getting one of those four receivers that we listed earlier. I would probably go the route of trading players for picks. If there is anybody worth trading in terms of salary cap and, and also what you get back for picks, I wouldn't trade picks for picks. You're uh, never going to get, was, get value for your players, your veteran players on, on a roster. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, you know, the, the, the point is, is that we – have an issue right now where we need immediate contributors and you're going to get that, you know, with two round two picks, you know, you're going to get maybe like special teams or backup, you know, contributors in, you know, on day three. And that's what you really look for. Hopefully one of those guys hit, you know, like uh, our, uh, our, our corner from Oregon, you know, he could be a potentially a, you know, a, a starter on the, on this, you know, upcoming season's roster, you know, based yeah, on not. how he performed toward, towards the back end of the year and, you know, how he could potentially develop under this staff with a full season's worth of, OTAs and training camp and nothing's being affected by COVID. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, Thomas could be a guy that could be the, the opposite side of the field starter at corner from, uh, from Jalen. But um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not training picks for picks that, you know, I, I don't, I don't need more six rounders. I want more, more stuff towards the front no, of the draft. That's just me. What, what the, although just proposed a trade here was, was you, you're taking, now you're going from two players in the top 100 to possibly getting three players in the top 100, which Correct. is what you want. You want players in the top 100, so that that that's where you, your stars are going to come in from. So that that's the trade there is where yeah you're going to get a six round pick to kind of make that trade balance out. But you're getting you're going from two players in the top 100 to three players in the top 100, but but you're dropping down quite a bit. And again, the, some of the some of the positions they're looking for interior lineman, wide receiver, um, you know possibly possibly you know a linebacker could you know, could be uh, available in that in those you know second that late second sorry wow okay holy cow what was that uh, i opened up a window and it of course ran some ad that sounded like it was from another planet so i don't know what that was all about sorry about that 
Uh, but uh, I, and then let me interrupt and just say, um, who was it that asked this great question? Tony says, last question, would Fields have been the number one overall pick this year? And the answer to that is no, because the Jaguars have the number one yeah. overall pick and they have Trevor Lawrence. So that's why. But, I- but, but would the team have traded up? For example, would the Texans have traded up? Would the Giants, with the two first-round picks, traded up to take a, a Justin Fields number one overall? So that, so that, he, I, I think he he would have been a top quarterback. And obviously, we know quarterbacks are flying off the are going to be flying off the board. So yes, mm-hmm. Tony, my opinion, Justin Fields would have been the first overall pick in this draft, maybe not by the Jaguars, but maybe by, by another team that's going to be you know looking to trade up and going and making making that pick. Guys, Kenny Pickett's going in the top ten. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Kiffin Pitt is going to go a top 10 because, because the need, not that he's a top 10 player, but right. you know, he's a good player. He's a good prospect, but with potential, but he's a guy that, 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 that position, they need quarterbacks. And whether it's Denver, if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, whether it's, it's the giants at, at, at five or seven, you know, one of those teams, I think is going to, if another team maybe moves up in the bottom of that half of that first round and go up, you know, there's Russell Wilson trade rumors, right? There, there's Jimmy Garoppolo trade rumors. I mean, who knows how this is all going to shake out by the time the draft comes around. But if, you know, if you're Pittsburgh, you know, do you go all out and get the guy in you, that was in your backyard, you know, can you pick it now? They, they, they use the same practice field as the Steelers, the, the, the Panthers do as well. So do you go get that guy? Do you go get, Russell Wilson, you go and try and and, and get Aaron Rodgers come. You know, it's it's going to be very interesting. You know, I can't wait till free agency starts and all the tampering and all the rumors come out because you know how that free agency shakes out it will tell us how the the first round is going to shake out and then more importantly how how it's it's going to shake out for for the Bears there going down. Excellent stuff. I can't wait for the next time we get together. Uh, but until then, uh, Dan Aguirre and I will be here tomorrow night and we're going to talk crap uh he had a date this weekend on so we know we're going to hear about dan's sex life on on our show because not only do we talk football we talk about his sex life so so that music was for a dance (laughs) that's right (laughs) that's right and i'm still working with greg gabriel he might make a second appearance this week uh but you know don't worry about that we're gonna have plenty of football talk this week and in the weeks ahead, uh, the season does not end here at the Barroom Network. These guys are great. Danny Shimon, you can follow him on Twitter at dshimon56, and Shimon is spelled S-H-I-M-O-N. And Stopchinsky, Neil Stopchinsky, you can find him at Twitter. I'm going to try to spell this, uh, Neil. N-I-E-L-S-T-O-P-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. Did it! <laughs> nice and Eastern European for you, man. You didn't even have to stop or take a you know like a break, a, a water break or anything like that. You just got right right through it. No, <laughs> by the way, Neil, that's that. What was that booze that you brought uh, when you, we came over? Uh, you came over uh, a few months ago. What was that liquor called? Because I've been looking for it. Oh, and roofie. He roofied you. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I can't remember what happened. <laughs> Yezhnovka, some Polish blackberry brandy, and yeah. You know, oh. and, uh, me and my family and you know friends back home, we we drink that stuff to celebrate and you know to, to toast to holidays and just gatherings of any sort that, that that's worth uh, celebrating. So that, that's that's a special kind of stuff that we break out for those kinds of occasions. Polish nice. blackberry brandy, you can you can find it at Benny's. They they have it and uh going to go into uh you know one of the Polish neighborhoods in Chicago, they'll probably have it on deck. So oh yeah, that's and where so. I grew up. I grew up on Milwaukee Avenue. So yeah. uh right, right, right by where I live right now. 
That's right. I got my ass kicked plenty of times by Polish guys. <laughs> so that is it for our show tonight. Uh, thank you for all of the great comments and interaction uh, in the chat room. Uh, those of you listening on demand, uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to interact with the guys and ask them questions. If you subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel, you will be alerted when we are live, and then you can pop in and ask your questions. If not, you want to continue listening on audio, you can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, you name it. We are there, Barroom Network. Thanks again, fellas. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye.